When I need to send cash fast, the Western Union app is my go-to. And now you can send up to $500 for a $5 fee worldwide. All you have to do is download the app, choose the pay in cash option, then come in and pay at a participating Western Union agent location. Download the Western Union app today. Welcome to BassCast Radio, bringing you the best in local and national news in bass fishing, as well as interviews with some of the best anglers from all over the U.S. With your host, Brian Carter and Bruce Callis. Guys, we're back with another great episode of Bass Cast Radio. What's going on, Bruce? Uh, nothing much, man. Doing a little recuperating after such so much fun yesterday. Yeah, if you guys didn't see already, Bruce went to a Redskins football game. Was this your first one? Oh, first one ever, man. First one. Got to see Green Bay and Washington. Sad you lost. Well, it may have been. Sad you hey, lost. It's preseason, man. It is preseason, man. You got to see the team, and I've never seen them play. I've been to one preseason game my whole entire life, and that's all I've ever been to. So that's pretty awesome you're able to go, man. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, I did get to go fishing Friday. So, but of course, right. the lightning chased me away, so that was the end of that. Yeah, you guys are getting lucky, man. You're getting some of this rain and storms. We're not getting anything up here. It's dry. I mean, I talked to some people floating in the river, and they're only, you know, they're floating in a couple inches of water. I mean, it's like maybe a couple feet. That's about it, where it's usually three or four feet deep. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we had rain Friday morning here. Then we had a storm Friday night. Then, of course, at the game... Uh, we ended up leaving early because it started to rain a little, but on the way back to the, we took the metro over, and man, it was lightning all around. I'm going, man, I'm glad I left. Because that's wow. a lot. I mean, it's a, about a mile walk from the stadium to the metro, but yeah. sure beats that parking lot. Oh, yes. We don't, even, we don't even want to talk about cost to park either. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is the way to go. I mean, it's what, I think I looked at, to, uh, we looked it up yesterday. It's fourteen ninety five now for an all-day metro pass, and that includes your bus ride, too, take you all over Washington, D.C. that you want to go, and yeah. All right, well, I'm, we came almost out of, we came out of Fairfax, actually, over that way and rode it all the way over. That's awesome, man. I mean, it, oh, yeah. First time I'd ever been on the Metro, too. <laughs> what did you think so, about that, Bruce? Oh, I, it was it was nice. I mean, I, you know, it's, it was it's pretty cool. Oh yeah, not as good as bass fishing, but it was still pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I, I, uh, I know a lot of people don't know, but I lived in D.C. for a short while, and I used to ride the Metro. I think back then, all day pass was like five bucks, maybe seven at the most. But I lived in D.C. for about three or four months. Not very long, like I said, but, you know, yeah. you, don't have the, you don't have the lakes, you don't That's have the mountains too. like we have here. But there's yeah. 
but there's some entertainment out the wazoo and uh yeah it's always something crazy to do up there yeah, and you can get all all over the place just by the metro i mean oh yeah by the rail so that's not even including the buses and all yep it's definitely true so, i mean yeah i mean well bruce we got one heck of a show tonight guys we've got uh, justin atkins flw Forestwood cup winner brandon cobb we got josh roller with bassbowforsale.com jason baggett and uh, jason duran from uh, bonus loop gonna tell us all about that we got captain dale wilson we're gonna have him up first doing our smith mountain lake fishing report and joe sills with fishing tackle retailer and a conversation about bass pro shop tonight is a jam-packed show and uh we're very excited to bring you all these guests so Let's get her started. Yeah, we're going to get her first started. First, got to thank that sponsor. That's right. That's right. Bruce is 110%. I mean, we right. wouldn't be here without him. That's right. Bruce is correct on that. We always got to thank our sponsors, man. Stanton River Outdoors. You guys will hear a commercial from them. Um, we got uh, Diablo Custom Baits. And we have Grey Goat Lures. And we also have... Um, Doomsday, what is it, uh, yeah, Doomsday Tackle. I'm trying to think of all of them right off the top of my head myself, Brucey. There's so, there's so many now, it's crazy. We've actually added Dick Sporting Goods. They're a sponsor of the BassCast Fall Tournament Trail Lunker Challenge. You know, we got Parkway Marina, the home of the BassCast Fall Tournament Trail. BassBoatForSale.com, like I said, number four. Looking to buy a boat or sell a boat, do it all on BassBoatForSale.com. Missile Baits. John Cruz, want to thank him for sponsoring the BassCast as well. Vertical Lures and Z Bait Company. I know I've got a couple more coming on for some giveaways. If you haven't already played our giveaway contest, please make sure you do so. Um, I, you know, it's this year is pretty. This month's is pretty good prize. Um, it's not as big as some of our other prizes we've had in the past because. Bruce, we gave away a crap load of stuff for our Farswood Cup uh, contest. Oh, yeah. And that man got lucky. Oh, I, know, I know it was well over $50 worth of stuff. My box is between $30 to $50 worth of stuff. Whatever I can put in that little box, I will jam pack it full. And, you know, I don't think you'll find a better giveaway anywhere. Plus, it with a mix of different items, et cetera, et cetera. He won a T-shirt from English Choice. I mean, he wants some good stuff, so. Oh yeah, and we had, and we even had one one person that was just an ounce too much. Yeah, we did. So I mean, that is. I know. That is lucky. I mean, I ain't says lucky, but that was pretty damn good. There's no other way to say it. I mean, you're one ounce over from picking the winning weight of the 2017 Farswood Cup. I mean, how? That's amazing. I know. Uh, sorry, Ryan. Yeah, sorry, Ryan. Hey, sorry, Ryan. Yeah, sorry. All right, guys. Without any further ado, we're going to play a couple commercials, and then we're going to be back with Captain Dale Wilson. It's that time of the year again, and 
The dog days of summer are here. No better place to cool off than on the water. Whether it be boating, fishing, or both, Stanton River Outdoors has your needs covered. Stop on by and see our line of pelican canoes, kayaks, and accessories, or our large selection of fishing gear. We also offer canoe and kayak rentals on the Stanton River. Find us on Facebook, call us at 434-608-2601, or stop by at 508B Pennsylvania Avenue, Alavista, Virginia. Stanton River Outdoors for all your outdoor needs. Points, cash, gear, sports. With a Dick Scorecard, you earn points on all your purchases and get 3% back in rewards and access to exclusive deals and events. It's simple. Points lead to cash to buy gear so you can play more sports. Get your Dick Scorecard and start earning reward certificates today. Every season starts at Dick's. All right, guys, we are back with Captain Dale Wilson. What's been going on, Dale? Hey, Brian. I've uh, been busy, busy. Uh, fishing's been has picked up a little bit for the strikers. Um, the bass fishing has actually slowed down a little bit, uh, right. especially the night fishing. Uh, I think the weights have been off uh, uh, quite a bit in the last uh, week or so, last weekend and the Tuesday night and uh, Friday and Saturday both was off quite a bit. Uh, I've noticed a lot of bait fish starting to move up. Uh, okay. I think in the water schooled off a little bit. If we can get a few more cool days and some more rain, I think things going to really pick up for us in movement of the bait fish, which should really get the bass moving in the strikers. Uh, the last uh, several days, I've caught strikers every day. Uh, they've been a little bit easier to find. Some days. Uh, have to look for them, you know, they're in schools. Right. You can find them with your electronics, but you've got to look for them. And they're never in the same place again two days in a row. So if you find them one day and you go back and you can't find them, don't give up. You just have to keep looking for them until you find them. And they're about the same depth. They've been anywhere, maybe okay. a little bit deeper this week, uh, down to maybe 50, 40, 50, 60 foot, some of them. But they will bite most of them if you can find them when they're bunched up and then I spread out. Um, we caught several good fish this week, and uh, I look forward to get better as just the water temperature comes down a little bit. It got extremely hot and yeah. slowed them down a lot, the bass and the stripers, except for the night fishing for the bass. What's some of the technique you've been using for those stripers? Well, um, I've caught a few casting, which is different. If they're less than 30 foot deep, I can use a cast. And okay get my bait down and swim it back to them, just like you do if you're casting through the shoreline. Right. Uh, I think the key to catching them is that these fish are suspended. And when they're suspended, if you get the lure below where they, they're feeding or below where they're suspended, they don't seem to feed down much when the water's just warm. So that's a real key to catching them is to get their bait as close to them as you can without going below where they're suspended. Okay. Now you said the bass fishing been kind of slow. Well, it's not slow, but it's slowed down than right. night fishing has. Now, I've uh, I've not done a super lot of bass fishing uh, in the daytime. Okay. Uh, got quite a few friends that have been, and they're reporting that they're catching, you know, some uh, quality fish during the day now. So that's definitely a change. Same way they were catching them at night. They catch them on ledges, brush piles, rock piles, out uh, in 12 to 25 foot of water. And this is going to change, you know, like I said, these bait fish are going to make a move here. 
shortly, especially if we have one cool spell or some more rain to get this water temperature down. Yeah, we definitely need the rain. What's the lake level looking like these days? We're still full? Well, no, no, it's not full. It dropped about close to two feet last week. Oh, and they wow. pumped it back up over the weekend. Yeah, pumped it back over the weekend a little bit, and it's still down, um, say, 15 inches or so. Uh, that's what it was this morning. And the only way we're going to get it full again, I think, is the rain. They're drawing a lot of water out of here for drinking water at different places. And, right. Um, we just haven't had the rain to replace what's going out. And, Hopefully it's going to change, and uh, we got a tropical storm that's going to come up the coast. We may get some uh, activity off of it this, uh, over the weekend. That'd be awesome, because you're right. We definitely, definitely need the rain. What's been some of the techniques that the guys have been using to catch the bass? Are they telling you? Yeah, I've been, like I said, I've fished some, too, uh, for the bass, but <laughs> I haven't done a lot of guiding for bass, but right. most of that after Labor Day. Uh, mainly... Uh, they're catching my football head jigs with different types of trailers, either creature baits or large worms, some uh, stand-up head, uh, check your heads with a heavier weight and a bigger worm. Okay. Uh, and most, most of like just fishing at night from the big worms still working, the deep diving crankbaits or something coming off of them, off the ledges and brush piles. You can get your right. bait down to the brush pile on the crankbaits, you can catch them, but... Uh, all of that's going to improve, hopefully, as this water temperature cools down, and then the jig will come back into play a lot more. There you go. Well, Dale, man, we appreciate you taking the time and talking to us and giving us a look at Smith Mountain Lake, what all's taking place. How can everyone find you, my friend? Yeah, the best way to get me is on my cell phone. at number is 540-874-4950. I also have a website, uh, that's www.captaindalewilson.com. And uh, I'll see you out on the water and good fishing to everybody. There you go. Dale, we appreciate you coming on with us and giving us a look at Smith Mountain Lake. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Okay, Brian. Have a good weekend. Thank you. It's that time of the year again, and the dog days of summer are here. No better place to cool off than on the water. Whether it be boating, fishing, or both, Stanton River Outdoors has your needs covered. Stop on by and see our line of pelican canoes, kayaks, and accessories, or our large selection of fishing gear. We also offer canoe and kayak rentals on the Stanton River. Find us on Facebook, call us at 434-608-2601, or stop by at 508B Pennsylvania Avenue, Alavista, Virginia. Stanton River Outdoors for all your outdoor needs. All right, guys, we are back with Jason Baguette and uh, Jason Duran. They are with Contingents, guys. What's going on, man? What hey, Brian, thanks for having us again. Yes, sir. Glad to have you guys back on. And uh, I just shared, before you guys came on, I shared our first podcast, and I made a little announcement that you guys were going to be on again. So... Glad to have you guys back on Basscast Radio. What's been going on, man? Thank you. Well, man, we've been busy, Brian. Um, since we last talked, we brought Jason Duran on as our brand manager. Um, we've been hard at work, not only on Contingent's website and our social networks, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all that. We've uh, since then released uh, our newest creation, our sister site, called BonusLoop.com. Oh wow! We gave a preview last week. Yeah, we gave a preview last week to uh, 
everybody that, that showed up at the FLW Cup in Columbia, South Carolina, which is an amazing event. Uh, if you if you went there, you understood it. If you if you didn't go, you missed out. Um, but anyways, uh, me and Jason, we realized, me and Jason Duran, we realized early on that there, there was more issues with contingency programs than just education and awareness and acknowledging of them. And through the process, we knew we were on to something, but we just couldn't figure it out. Well, the question that most anglers or competitors, even tournament organizers ask is, how do you know? How do you know that angler A uh, wins the Bass Cat Quest money or the Costa money or, you know, all these contingency programs? How do you differentiate between right. the anglers on who wins? So we have developed uh, an application that will, tell, that will tell not only the anglers in, in a, I want to say, when I say a delayed real time, I'm talking within minutes of when the tournament yeah when when the tournament wow. results are posted our our application goes out there it does what it does and it tells not only the angler what they have won or missed out on it also confirms it against the standings and the tournament event organizers so what that what that does is it, it creates ease ease of the anglers knowing what they've won or what they've missed out on. And it, and it stops them from, you know, sending endless emails to organizers and companies saying, Hey, I think I've won or did I win? Um, and, and, and that's just, that's just the tip of the iceberg. So that's awesome. Yeah. And it's a, it's a really unique application. Again, no one out, no one else out there is doing this. And, and I shared with uh, Jason Duran this morning, I got an email uh, from someone who, who visited us, us in Columbia, South Carolina, and they said, we really appreciate what you guys are doing. It's, 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 it's out-of-the-box thinking, and it's something that's needed to be done for a long time. So that made my day. That's cool. Yeah, there's, getting those emails are pretty nice. I've actually gotten a couple of the last couple of days and messages on Instagram and Facebook and yeah, always hearing that always helps because right. you know we spend lots of hours. I know I do, and you guys do as well. And you're hoping eventually someone will look at it and hoping it'll just take off like a you know bullet and start you know helping a lot of people out there. So that's pretty awesome, man. That is. Well, that's one thing we realized last last Friday. There were several of us in the booth, um, and and people were coming by, and we were talking to them about it, and. And we, we had people signing up for, for the, the bonus loop right then and there. They were doing it on the phone. Uh, they were doing it, you know, when they went home. And so we know it's needed. And, and Jason Duran can, can echo what my sentiments are. We know it's needed both on the corporate side, the tournament right. event organizer side, and, and, and obviously the angler or competitor side. And so right now what we're doing and what, where we're pointing everybody is if you go to bonusloop.com, there'll be a register button. You click that register button and you give us a lot of information. This information is pertinent to not only the application running optimally for the competitor, right. but optimally for the results. Okay. If that's a word, if optimally is a word. But, yeah, yeah. Um, 
and, and, and yeah, and the response that we've got, and you can again, Jason can answer this, is overwhelming. It's absolutely overwhelming. Yeah. So last week at the cup, you know, it was good to be able to at the classic have some time to talk about it, but and talk to vendors at different places and those kind of things. But I, I had some good meetings at ICAST where I'm meeting with tournament directors and and they're saying you're answering the biggest question that I get Sunday afternoon. My phone blows up. Did I win the money? And really, honestly, the tournament director has no idea of knowing if they won the money or not. They know where the person placed, right. but they don't know if five people above them have that, you know, have a garment or have power poles. And, and then it comes to, did they even register to claim the money? So basically their answer exactly. is, here's where you place, but I don't know. So yeah, they that's... Come back, they're making a phone call to the vendor and going, did I win? I don't know if I won or not. And they're like, well, we don't know your tournament results. You know, so we're, we're <laughs> right. really the loop that puts all this together. You know, we're the missing link to put all this together. So you got to work with all three parties to really, you know, build some trust for one, but uh, help them understand here's, here's the fix for this. So we're excited. We really are. I mean, it, it, to see people and to walk up in their booth at the cup and say, hey, look, here's the plan we have. And they say already, hey, we've already heard about y'all. Tell me That's a little awesome. bit more about it. And they're like, yes, yes, we want to do that. So yep. it's, it's been great. I know. So I guess now moving forward to get this thing, you know, on plane here, you need more uh, tournament directors to sign up. Is that correct? Because yeah, that's of, a big thing. We do need them, tournament directors. Yeah, so you need you need as many freaking tournament directors as possible to sign up, and that way. Well, I mean, they publish their results, so you know right. we can get it. But it'd be easier if they'd work with us. You know, mostly all the tournament directors want to work with us so far. So you know, it just makes it easier for them to say, "Hey, you're answering my question and fixing the problem." So you know, it doesn't cost them anything. So it's pretty easy. Right. And, and, you know, the tournament organizers is one side of the equation. What we really need right now is the data from the anglers. We need the anglers to, to sign up and register for this. Um, that's, that's in, you know, the, the important link, so to speak, to, to making everything, to making the application work uh, wholeheartedly. Yeah. About how long does it take to sign up for this thing? couple minutes if you know all right, your if yeah. you know what tournaments you're fishing and right. you know what items you have on your boat i mean it's just a click check boxes you know, here's what i have here's what i fish and you know you can be you can update it throughout the process so if you happen to buy a different product for your boat and it now has a contingency program you go back in there and update that so it's it's super simple yeah that was what i was going to ask next was the um some of the questions that they had to answer and you know all that good stuff so that's pretty awesome i know yeah and, I... and we're one of the go ahead uh, one of the, the 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 important questions we got asked early on was a lot of anglers that fish like the flw coast events they also fish bfl events you know around their home area right or they could fish a you know, another team trail and so aside from just the products that they use and, and their personal information, such as, you know, their name and address and email, mm -hmm. you can actually go and select different events. 
And that's where, like what Jason said, we're already working with multiple tournament you know, organizers and events or organizations to, to get this data solidified and all in working order. Yeah, it, it seems like you guys got a lot of work ahead of you, but it seems like it should be, once everything's put in there, it should be pretty daggone nice. Yeah, it really is. It sounds like yeah. a lot of work, and we want it to sound like a lot of work because we don't want anybody else to try to do it. So it is a whole lot of work. <laughs> hours and hours are spent doing it. Uh, and it, at times, I mean, it is frustrating at times, you know, to make it work, but it works, you know. So thankfully, uh, tournament organizations and the anglers, the big deal right now, Jason has just said this, is guys have got to go sign up. So, again, they're still not going to know if they won or not if they don't sign up. So we're not going to go out and tell you you won. That's right. Track you down on Facebook or whatever and say, hey, did you know you won? Because we're going to now know who won. That's true. So you're going to have to go sign up and and get plugged in. So how many? And one of the really unique aspects to Bonus Loop is that it runs off the backbone of contingents. Contingents is, you know, the directory, the the, the resource, so to speak. So if anglers who sign up for, let's say, Bass Cat Quest, and they're going down to their – ultimately, it will prompt them, are you registered for the Bass Cat Quest program? Uh, no different than PowerPole or you know, the PH Marine Atlas Awards or Garmin Grand. It's very intuitive. We, we've tried to make it as forward-thinking as possible. But, again, you know, uh, we want – we, we really would like user feedback. And if there's a problem that they've encountered or they don't understand something, or if they like something, I mean, we, me, and, me and Jason Duran want that feedback. And they can, they can contact us through, again, our social networks, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or just email us at contact, us, a contact at bonuslip.com. All right. Can I give you a secret that only your podcast listeners will know? Yes, go ahead. Can I give it out? Can I break the news to them first? So if they're paying attention to bonus loop and paying attention to their winnings and paying attention to their tournament, right. they'll learn who's winning what and what it's going to take for them to win it. And they may look and realize nobody's claiming this money in my tournament. So I need to go buy this product and put it on my boat and get the money every time. If that they'll pay true. attention, that's yeah, going that to rise to the top. And I, I'm a guy that's been paying attention to that in a trail I fish, and the same guy is getting it every time. And he's way down the list, catching one and two fish at a time and still getting the money <laughs> for that and not getting any prize money. He's only getting contingency money. So it's like, pay attention. Here's the way. I'll be writing a blog about that in a couple of weeks, but uh, your guys will have that information first. So Awesome. That is awesome right there. So with contingents. How many companies do you guys have that are on board with us so far? Well, our director right now, it, yeah, it's, it's filling up, and we're working with several right now to get in the directory, and we're actually working with several that we've uh, obtained through the FLW Cup last week that we're going to be developing the programs for them okay. as well as managing the programs. Uh, we can't release that information just yet, but when we do, like, you'll be able to see it through our – uh, social networks, our blog, and through our email newsletter. Um, can you name just a couple of the ones that you're affiliated with now? 
probably better not uh, okay. because the the programs are still in development. Okay. Uh, and you know the, 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 dot, you know, the I's aren't dotted, the T's aren't crossed just yet. I understand. Before, you know, it, it's a privacy thing between us and them. Okay. But there's a list on the website of programs that are already out there that we're researching. So you can go to the website now and see all the contingency information that's out there. So, you know, power poles out there, how to qual- how to sign up for all those things is on our website already. Okay. So there's a ton of those. That's, that's Brian, go and click on the search box. Your answer, there's, there's three that we're working with right now that, and I don't like the, the word game changer, but they're coming in and they're saying, we want to be a part of this. We want to to incentivize our, our, our consumers, and they're going to do so in a very, very nice way. Oh, that's awesome. And if I said their name, everybody would know. Everybody would know who they are. Okay. It's not we'll, just you. We'll, so, we won't say it right now. Though. Yeah, and they've, they've asked us. Yeah, it, it, right. But we will, we will talk about that in another podcast. Awesome. That is awesome. Well, guys, man, we uh, we appreciate you guys coming on and talking to us about Bonus Loop. Um, is there a mobile app for Bonus Loop yet, or is it just the computer? Well, it's it's solely online based right now. We are looking uh, at several different vendors for an app. Um, me and Jason both are proactively looking. Okay. Um, you know, we we want we want to get there, and we're gonna get there. We will get there. It's just finding out who can get us there. Okay. Well, man, we're excited for yep. you guys. And, um, man, this is this is definitely pretty awesome. And uh, I want everybody now to uh, go to bonusloop.com and uh, make sure they sign up. Enter your information in there. And uh, like I tell guys, you know, you could be definitely losing money if you're not hanging with these guys. And You definitely are. You definitely are. Yes. I mean, even if you're, I mean, even, even, even like, uh, Duran just said, I mean, people that catch three fish are probably losing money because they got a brand new Garmin or they got a brand new Lowrance or they got a brand new item Uh sitting on their front deck and they could already paid for that thing already. Totally. So please go sign up. Well, guys, I appreciate you guys coming on and talking to everyone, and um, we look forward to what is new for you guys in the future. And uh, glad you guys had a great time at the uh, Forest Wood Cup. I really wanted to attend, but it, it just didn't work out. So here we are. Tell the guys to hit us up on social media. If you got any questions, send us a direct inbox there. We are quick to answer anything there. So we want to be the, the source of information. I mean, right now we are, so we want to continue that. All right, where can you guys be reached on social media? The contingent social media or the bonus loot social media. Facebook and all that. It's all there. Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, even if they go to the website, contingents.com, our our social media icons are there. Okay. As well as bonusloop.com. Bonusloop.com, they're at the bottom right on contingent. Awesome. Well, man, we're – Great to talk to you guys again, and, and, Brian, uh, and, and yeah, and Brian, I really want to personally appreciate you taking the time to, to you know give us a voice and uh, you know help get the word out. We we appreciate what you do, not only for us, the angler, you know the anglers, but the fishing industry as a whole. So kudos to you, buddy. We we greatly appreciate you. Well, 
thank you and uh we look forward to serving you guys in the future and whatever we can do to help make this thing grow the faster the better because that traction is what it's all about that's right yes sir brian we appreciate you sir thank you yes sir thank you brian points cash gear sports with a dick scorecard you earn points on all your purchases and get 3% back in rewards and access to exclusive deals and events. It's simple. Points lead to cash to buy gear so you can play more sports. Get your Dick's scorecard and start earning reward certificates today. Every season starts at Dick's. All right, guys, we are back with Josh Roller, CEO of BassBoatForSale.com, the number four sale.com. What's going on, Josh? Hey, Brian. How's it going? Thanks for having me on the show. Man, everything is great up here in Central Virginia. It's a little warm, but other than that, you know, that's life. So, Well, I sure hear you. We're down here in Florida. I'm pretty sure it's a little warmer around this time of the year, but uh Hey, that's uh, that's uh, getting paid in sunshine, is it right? Oh yeah, definitely true, definitely true. All right, Josh. So, fastboatforsale.com started uh, about seven months ago, and um, man, it's been taken taken off ever since. But uh, let's introduce those listeners who do not know who you are. Tell them a little bit about yourself. Sure, of course. Uh, I'm Josh Roller. I'm CEO of BassBoatForSale.com. I'm not only a business owner, but I am a tournament angler. I've been fishing since about the age of five. Uh, My dad got me my first boat when I was about 12, and it's really taken off ever since. And um, as far as bass fishing, it's really the only fishing I do. I'm not a saltwater guy. Um, I don't do any other fishing other than bass fishing. Right. And, um, you know, the tournament scene has brought that competitive edge out of me. And um, always looking forward to the next big thing, especially 2018 for us. It's going to be a real year. Um, a little bit of background. Um, come from an internet marketing and advertising background. Okay. I've been doing it for 16 years uh, for other people and for other companies, whether it was special events, promotions, or on-site from some very large-scale automotive companies, uh, large-scale car shows uh, that transitioned into always been my love of fishing. So I went back and forth a little bit from automotive to fishing, um, and that really started probably about 15 when I got into automotive, but always had a love of passion of fishing, and uh, many years after after college, uh, had gotten back into fishing. That was, um, something that I was longing for. And it just so happened that I really didn't take a break from fishing. It just wasn't at the forefront, you know, the automotive was. And, um, of course, and, and, you know, the long story goes and some guys out there know I took a break for a while in the younger years, but this is going many years back, but a friend of mine in the uh, central Florida area had this lake house and uh, he says, come by the lake house. And he had bass fishing at, at the lake house and it was a private lake in central Florida. And uh, the story goes from there to where we're at now. So he, 
kind of brought me back to the fold with uh with fishing that was many many years ago that's awesome yeah it really is a great guy private pond big bass in there i mean huge i mean throwing a frog throwing a swim bait throwing a big worm back there i mean this like i said a private lake where no one else was allowed on to so no pressure that's cool all right so moving forward BassBoatForSale.com, man. What made you want to go out and create this type of a website, man? I mean, the industry is so full as it is. What made you want to decide to do something like this? Well, I really appreciate the question. It is a good question. Um, I'll tell you. Um, what made me get into it and come up with the idea, um, I was running a smaller rig, um, running a smaller nitro bass, but and I was having trouble getting uh, to the same spots as other guys were fishing some of the thick stuff. I started looking, you know, as every, as every angler starts out, they start out with a starter boat. Oh, yeah. And eventually move up and move up. And, you know, that uh, general progression from maybe like a John boat, which is everyone's pretty much everyone's first boat or a canoe or a kayak, something like that. Um, and then to, you know, a starter rig, you know, something's got like a 25 or a 50 and then the 18 footer with a 150. And then eventually they're in the 20 footers with the, or 19 with 200, 225s, and then 20 footers with 250s and so on and so forth. You know, you get into your custom, you know, anything over a 250, you know, boats out there now are running 300s, 350s, 400Rs. Right. Some of the couple of the bass cats that we've seen, some of the big boys, but of course, on the tournament side, you know, you're not getting over 250. But really back to the core question was, I was looking for a new rig. And I'm searching, I'm searching. Uh, I didn't know if I wanted brand A. I didn't know if I wanted brand B. And there really wasn't many options out there. And I'm searching, scouring the internet, looking through different places. And there was only a couple of them. And what was really happening is, uh, I, the inventory was outdated. You call on a specific rig and it wasn't even there anymore. It was sold six months ago and it right. hadn't even been removed or the price wasn't right. Or the pictures didn't represent the boat. It was really hard to tell what you were looking at or the description was incorrect. And what had happened was from that kind of frustration on that buyer's experience for looking for a new boat, I um, came up with the concept of what we have now, and it's BassBoatForSale.com with the number four. And instead of just running a, a, a website, which most of other people are doing, um, using my skills, talents, and experiences, we uh, operate on four platforms. So not only do we have our website, which is a bass boat listing service and a web traffic driver, and we are a premier bass boat listing service. We do um, screen our boats to make sure that they are clean bass boats and something that a buyer would want, nothing that you'd see out there that wouldn't be considered a clean-cut bass boat. Um, we AKA have our Craigslist. Facebook page. Yes, I'm glad you said it, not me. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, we have our Facebook page with uh, 25,000 followers. Yes. Uh, we have our Instagram with over 7,000 followers. 
And we recently just released our YouTube page very shortly ago. And we're able to put um, boats that we shoot locally or that I'm shooting live out there. Um, and that page is a, grow, is a work in progress. It's not as established as our Facebook and Instagram, um, but it is a part of our service that we run. For example, uh, a featured package boat is going to get a YouTube walk-around video, and same thing with the VIP. So it is a platform that we do use, and that's really how we differentiate uh, and how we came up with the idea was out of the frustration from the buying experience. That's awesome, man. Um, you guys, hopefully by now, uh, you guys have seen the, uh, you, the video that Josh did about listing your boat and, uh, selling that and how easy it is. And I know a few of the people in the area have already started sending you boats from Virginia. And like I said, we're trying to get it built up here as fast as we can. And hopefully, uh, yeah, we go ahead. We, uh, we definitely appreciate Bort uh, and the listings from your area. Um, we do get daily questions uh, multiple times a day. How do I list my boat? Um, how does the program work? How much does it cost? A lot of good generalized information questions. Um, so the best way to really um, address that was to do a how-to video. It's right on our Facebook page. Um, you'll see me. I go over how to list the boat on a, a laptop and a mobile device, uh, both platforms. And it's really, really simple um, to list the boat. Instead of hot mic in the, uh, the radio podcast, we'll, uh, we'll let the video speak for itself on how to yep. list your boat. Yep, that's but true. We definitely appreciate the support um, from the guys out there in your area. Um, if they have a boat to list, or they're looking for a boat, you know, we really asked to check us out and to see the great success that we're having. You know, our sold section has been growing by leaps and bounds. So in the short time that uh, we've been around, we have more boats selling from the site than uh, coming off during the summertime. So there was a little bit of a, a scramble in there to uh, juice the inventory and bring on more inventory because boats were selling from the site so quickly we couldn't couldn't keep track of them. So that's always a good problem to have. And uh, you and I actually talked about that during oh, yeah. the ICAST uh, time frame, and we had a discussion about that. And um, you know, appreciate you sending us those boats. Oh yeah. So everyone here in Virginia, please make sure you go check out Bass Boat, the number four sale.com and uh, definitely get your boat up there and get it listed and uh, let us help you sell it. And that's that's what it's all about. So 2018, you know, I've already, you know, everybody I've spoken to already, including myself, is already working on 2018. Is there any little tidbits that we can expect from BassBoatForSale.com in 2018? Yes, um, we we do like to keep uh, a couple secrets to ourselves, but uh, it is no secret that we are constantly on our new site, um, and we appreciate the patience with everyone uh, while we're building that. Um, the wait will be worth it, as we say oh, yeah. in the industry. So we are. Uh, going to be releasing our new site in that time frame. Uh, 2018 will be more involved with the 
tournament scene more than we are already, uh, meaning presence at bass events, FLW events, um, EFL events, the state of Florida and around the United States of America, doing a little bit more traveling, obviously in the uh, Classic Cup and ICAST for all for 2018 are already locked in. Um, and, you know, what really we want to share with the viewers out there is that we take a personal approach to our business. And you're not going to find that in many businesses these days. And what I mean by that is if you need to reach out to us with an email or a call, we pick up and we respond. There you Meaning go. That That's you can't definitely do true. That, you can't do that with other uh, businesses out there in the same industry. Yep. Um, you can't get someone on the phone about your specific bass boat. They might say, hey, you know, we'll just put it to the top for you if you pay some more. We're not, we're not about that. Nope. Um, we're really about caring about the listing, caring about the specific boat, and doing the best that we can to help facilitate driving as much traffic to it and linking that seller up with a buyer. And that's really what makes us special and different at the same time. So I did, I really wanted to mention that, that we take a personal approach. If you need to shoot us an email, you want to give us a call, we're going to get back to you within a very reasonable amount of time and no call and no email goes unanswered. There you go. That's what it's all about. And um, like I said, you are true. There's not a lot of companies anymore that answer the phone. Most of them will send you to a call center or something of that nature. And uh, even if I, even if we ever get big, I don't think, you know, we want to be big, but I don't think we'll ever be at that point, that point it might not be me or Josh or one of us answering the phone, but if we ever get to that size, it will be somebody in the company answering your phone call and taking care of you right there over the phone. So the future. Well, the, the future is always bright for those who prepare for it. That's right. Speaking on some of the positive, positive, positive uh, motivational words that we've talked about in our in our uh, conversations back and forth, um, we're always available. You know, right. regardless of the scale of where we are from start and gratitude and humblings, we'll still be available for those owners and people that need to reach out to us. My door is always open. There so you go. if someone needs to get a hold of me, they're going to get a hold of me. It's not going to be passed off to. Um, another associate or someone uh, at a different level, if they need to speak to me, they're going to speak to me. And that's there the bottom go. line. Speaking of speaking to you, how can everyone find you, Ben? Uh, great question. Uh, four different ways. Obviously, reaching out to us on the website, BassBoatForSale.com. Uh, you can hit us on the contact section there. Uh, from our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash bass boat, the number four sale, Instagram bass boat for sale.com with the words dot and com spelled out D O T C O M. Um, and, uh, you know, through Facebook messenger, um, from the Facebook page. So there's multiple ways to get a hold of us. Email is our preferred method, um, to keep things organized and simplistic. Uh, our email address is info at bassboatforsale.com. 
repeat that one more time for you guys, info at BassBoatForSale.com. And, um, yeah, you know, really appreciate the time. 2018 is going to be a great year, so we're looking forward to wonderful yes, things are. coming up, a lot of new ideas and uh, new concepts, a couple new products going to be coming out. Um, you know, we'll let them speak for themselves. Alrighty, Joshua, man, we appreciate you coming on talking with us. And, uh, guys, make sure you check out Bass Boat, the number four, sale.com. Looking to buy a boat or sell a boat, do it all on BassBoatForSale.com. Thank you, Josh. You're welcome, Brian. And also, the BassCast.com is in our vendor section. There you go. So if you need to get your tournament news, grab a hold of our vendor section, click it, and cast cast, I'll bring you right there. Did there want to mention go. that. Thank you. It's that time of the year again, and the dog days of summer are here. No better place to cool off than on the water. Whether it be boating, fishing, or both, Stanton River Outdoors has your needs covered. Stop on by and see our line of pelican canoes, kayaks, and accessories, or our large selection of fishing gear. We also offer canoe and kayak rentals on the Stanton River. Find us on Facebook, call us at 434-608-2601, or stop by at 508B Pennsylvania Avenue, Alavista, Virginia. Stanton River Outdoors for all your outdoor needs. All right, guys, we are back with Joe Sills. Joe's, Joe is the digital editor of Fishing Tackle Retailer Magazine, as well as a contributor to uh, Bass and FLW. This is the first time we've ever had you on BassCast Radio, and we're very excited about it. Thank you for taking the time and talking with us today, Joe. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, listen, I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy to help out however I can. So, Fishing Tackle Retailer we're talking before. I love it. I read the online version. I don't get the print version yet because I don't own a business. But besides right. the website business, but um, a lot has been taking place ever since iCast and before iCast with some of these Bass Pro Shop deals that are taking place. You know the Cabela's. That's you know a lot of people. I posted on our website. A lot of people were boo. A lot of people were yay. You know. Where do you see the future, man? Well, you know, there is a sentiment. Um, and to give you guys some perspective, FDR is a business and trade mag. Yep. Um, so a lot of our readers are the guys who own the independent tackle shops. Although um, we also go out to Bass Pro and Cabela's and Dick's and whoever else. Um, there is a prevailing sentiment that's been going on for a while now. Basically, oh, well, Bass Pro is trying to take over the world. Um, and, you know, fair enough. It does look like they are trying to take over the world. Um, although I can tell you as a former Bass Pro employee, uh, which I, I worked on the retail floor, <laughs> man, it's been 10 years since I've done that. Um, yeah, me, many years I don't know. Me. Yeah, it's, th- it's been many, many years since I did that. Do you think it's because some of the prices that they're getting for the, you know, you know, we're always everyone's out there looking to make a dollar. So I mean, I don't know. I, my suspicion is, I mean, yeah, they have a whole lot of buying power, and they're only getting more buying power. I don't think there's some sort of evil empire. I, oh, I really, no. truthfully think that Johnny Morris is just a great businessman, and he he can be ruthless. And I personally didn't particularly enjoy working there very much. Um, but 
I don't think there's some evil empire. I, I think if anything, they're a little haphazard and uh, from a ground level, maybe a little clueless on some things. Um, but as far as the acquisition of Bass or acquisition of Cabela's goes, it's definitely part of a, a much larger plan. I, d- I also don't think they're going to rebrand though. I think they'll keep those stores as Cabela's stores. Oh yeah. I mean, even here, we kind of, you know, I kind of consider Cabela's hunting bass pro shop, a.k.a. bass fishing. Because a a lot of the stores here are, you know, kind of branded that way. We actually just, um, last year, our first Cabela's was opened in Richmond, Virginia. So that was my first. first Go ahead. So let me ask you, since Bass Pro has historically a stronghold in the southeast um and i don't know how it gets much more southeast than richmond um for for obvious reasons uh what's your take on cabela's since it's primarily uh, a northwestern midwestern type of brand well um we went to i i actually jumped in the car the weekend it opened and we we visited and there were not a lot of purchases there were a lot of people going in and going out really fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was that was what we were seeing. There was a lot of foot traffic, um, and I, and mm-hmm. I guess that might be too because there's so many guys here. I know a lot of hunters, and uh, you know, definitely in the south. I mean, I saw a bear yesterday, so I mean, it's they are starting to run, but you know, a lot of guys here are so used to getting that big Cabela's catalog and. Yeah, they'll order a lot out of the catalog. So that's probably, you know, as they're starting to move this way. Um, I did go to one in South Carolina, but this is the closest one that we have here is in Richmond, mm-hmm. Virginia. So I, I, I really didn't, I don't know. I don't hunt, so I can't be that biased. Yeah, I, well, I'm in with you. I think they have a, a strong brand, and at one point it was a lot stronger in hunting, um, as Bass Pro arguably did in fishing. Uh, back in the day when, I mean, my dad is an old, old-school uh, fisherman, and we grew up in, in Tennessee fishing, Kentucky Lake, Pickwick, oh, yeah. Real Foot, those kind of places. But he would swear by those Bass Pro Johnny Morris rods and reels and and. He, he would swear by him. Of course, I think the brand has been tarnished a little bit over the years, um, but that's just a personal opinion. I, I think they grew, I think they've grown really fast and they've grown really big, almost, almost like Starbucks did in the early to mid two thousands, where it seemed like there was one on every corner. And yep. then you saw them slowly like close a couple shops. Right. Um, I think Bass Pro may be overextending themselves when it comes to Cabela's, uh, it's not just my opinion. There was an article a couple days ago, and I wrote about it last week on FTR. Yes, you did. Uh, but there's an article from the Motley Fool, Motley Fool about it, um, basically speculating, hey, this, the brick-and-mortar retail business is struggling across the country. Would you not agree? Oh, I agree 110%. So I... if the brick-and-mortar business is struggling... And Cabela's is struggling. I mean, they're, they were on a downturn, and they have public records that show it. Yes. The last several quarters in a row have been bad for them. Why on earth would you go out and buy 
50 something more brick and mortar stores. I'm wondering, I know a lot of, I, I, um, I read the geek part. I read the wall street journal every day and I'm wondering if they're looking at a lot of, you know, I know they have their own stock for, um, Bass Pro Shop, I guess. I'm not sure if they're traded or not, but I know a lot of companies now are actually purchasing land, property, et cetera, for pennies on the dollar, and then they're wrapping it up in its own stock, just mm -hmm. the properties themselves. Mm -hmm. And then they're feeding, you know, right. Sears. Sears just did it. I mean, we all saw Sears collapse. I mean, Sears waited so freaking long. I mean, I remember as a kid going to Sears, you pull, you know, you got this number printed off. You went to a box. You got your, no kids here, remember? You got your item out of the box. You took it back to the lady. She scanned it, and you walked out the door. Mm -hmm. And we're down now to what, maybe a couple hundred stores, maybe. I mean, they sold Sears Canada. It's gone. Uh, they've show, they've sold off all their brands. So, I mean, a, a lot of them just, you know, they waited too late. And Tackle Warehouse is killing them. Yeah. Well, Tackle Warehouse is, is an interesting story. I've actually been to the Tackle Warehouse in California, uh, which is, is really an interesting place. They have a small retail operation like right there on site okay. um, in San Luis Obispo. But the rest of it is this massive warehouse, and it is full of stuff, and it is constantly churning out. I mean, there's forests of fishing rods, um, weights, everything you can imagine is there. So you have Cabela's reporting. If you look at it from a broad point of view, Cabela's losing ground, even though a lot of their business is hunting. Same with Gander Mountain, which is a large reason why they gone. went under. Gone. Um, gone. They were expensive. Bass Pro were... doesn't report numbers because they're private. Right. Gander? Gander was too expensive. Yeah. Everybody around here said, I mean, I'll be honest, me too. Um, unless it was buy two spinner baits, get one free. Mm -hmm. I'd rather buy from a local dealer. I mean, it's, it was crazy. Yeah, Gander, from the buyers that I talked to in conversations related to FTR, uh, Gander had a lot of problems with their buyers and their okay. sellers. They, they didn't really grasp pricing the right way. I don't, and I don't know the underlying cause of that, but it seemed to be a lot of the major manufacturers I talked to um, – there was just confusion on Gander's part. They didn't really know who they were. Were they a shoe store? Are they a hunting store? Are they a fishing store? They had a lot of brand identity problems along with pricing, which the consumers ultimately put them under for. Of course, they'll bounce back in some form or another, but that remains to be seen. So they went under. Cabela's right now, not doing great. Best Pro doesn't report. We don't know what they're doing because they're privately held. Um, and in the meantime, independent dealers, if they're not getting on the e-commerce bandwagon or they don't have a really strong, loyal customer base, they're struggling. Yes. And Tackle Warehouse is doing great. They, they can't expand fast enough. They keep moving to larger and larger warehouses. The only thing that we have noticed about Tackle Warehouse and some of the orders that I've heard here Tackle Warehouse has a deal, has a, this, I don't know about their ordering system you said you've been, that they'll wait till they're practically out i mean they'll be out of an item for they'll restock it yeah i i don't know the details behind that other than it, it's got something to do with efficiency and supply and demand um and it maybe has something to do with their contracts with manufacturers 
Right. Steelers. I'm not really sure. But yeah. But it is an interesting thing. So, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I think ultimately what it lines up to is exactly what the Motley Fool was talking about. And it it could be that in a couple of years, we look back at this massive Bass Pro Cabela's deal and we realize that it was a terrible move by Bass Pro. I think that's at least as likely as being a success story right now. Right. I know you, you 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 were saying that they were looking at keeping the two separate stores and same themes, et cetera. Do, do you see any type? I mean, I don't know. I, I really, I go to Bass Pro Shop and it's like you're saying, it's a big box store and I'll only buy what's on sale. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like going to a Lowe's or a Home Depot or something of that nature, but it's fishing. But I mean, most of the time, unless it's really, really on sale, you don't see people in there by droves buying. Uh, yeah. Well, the Bass, Bass Pro's fishing department seems to have some of the same pricing issues that Gander has. Yep. I live a mile and a half from the biggest Bass Pro shop in the world, the new one at the Pyramid in Memphis. I'll be there soon. And if I want to take my kayak, are you going to come by? Uh, one day, I hope. I was planning on coming this past year, but it didn't work out. So it might be next year, but I'm coming out that way. Cool. Well, let me know. and will care if you hook you up with good barbecue. Awesome. Um, so this pyramid is a fascinating case study because it's massive. It's, it's the definition of Bass Pro being the attraction store, right? Right. It's Mecca, it's drawing in um, over a million people a year, according to their count, although it counts you again if you go back in. Right. Um, but for the fishing department, it's never busy. Never oh, no. busy. And if I want to take my kayak and go out in the river, like literally on the other side of the, the flood wall from the pyramid, I, I can't always get the lures that I'm going to need or want. Just right, right there. So they, they have some problems and related to their size. And that being said, I've got no insight into the hunting department. I mean, I know that the whole second floor of that thing is an incredible array of of hunting stuff from a Ducks Unlimited Museum to a, a Barretta store where they've, they've got a gun in there at, at the grand opening. It was like $200,000 or something. Oh, wow. So who knows? Yeah. But I can speak to fishing, and yeah – They've got some of the same issues that Gander dealt with. And at the same time, what's more concerning to me about Bass Pro is that their online stuff is, is not great. It is not a great customer experience to shop at Bass Pro Shops online. It's just not. Um, you need to rework that website, and Cabela's does too. Now, I understand with such a massive company, it's got to be extraordinarily expensive to do that. Oh, yeah. But it's essential if they're going to compete with Amazon or tackle warehouse. It's absolutely essential. And that would worry me as an investor more than anything. Yeah. Cause like you're saying, all, most of the market has moved. I mean, you know, free shipping, anything over 50 bucks. Um, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of these stores, I know bass has that, um, spring clearance sale, spring deal. They always do. Then they do one for Christmas and 
I, that's about my only two times a year that I'll actually go in a Bass Pro Shop. Yeah. Well, you, all right. you might have predicted the future here earlier. The company you talked about at the beginning of our discussion, Sears, right? Yeah. Sears was the biggest catalog company in America. They were you huge. A house from Sears. Yeah. I mean, there was a time in America where you could literally order from Sears. Yep. And now I look across town in Memphis. If you're standing at the top of the pyramid, you could look out and see the old Sears uh, distribution center, which is uh, 15 stories tall. Maybe it's it's a tower. It's really like medieval looking. And up until two years ago, the whole thing was completely abandoned. I mean, it, there are these centers scattered across the country that have been used for urban redevelopment, right. but it's not a stretch to look at Sears and say, here was this company that people thought could never crumble, but it was a catalog-based company. And Bass Pro and Cabela's are still largely catalog-founded companies, although their business may have shifted, you know? I know, um, I want to say Bass, I've looked on their website I think they've started making some updates and some changes to it, but um, you are right. The um, the industry and everything is and will be from here on out. If it's not mobile friendly, it will die because we are using you know yeah. I call it, I call it a phablet, but it's a phone and a tablet mm -hmm. together. And if mm -hmm. it that that's going to be the future. Yeah, and and it's not just consumer tendencies that support that both google and facebook algorithms are geared specifically to penalize your website if it's not mobile friendly yep so either you're going to spend a lot of money on google ads to get to the top of those search results or you're going to adjust your mobile strategy your seo strategy your entire user experience uh, to survive now does that bother johnny morris i don't know the guy's not exactly young anymore and he's sure not for money no. So, who knows? Who knows? Well, we had some more breaking news this week from uh, Bass Pro Shop, uh, another purchase of another boat company, Legend Boats. You know, that mm -hmm. that's an, that's another industry right there as a whole. I mean, I, I think they've priced themselves so far out of the market that the average consumer – I mean, you're looking fifty-eight, sixty, seventy thousand dollars for these bass boats. Power poles on the back, two fifties. Lawrence HDS. What they have at ICAST, sixteens or something like that. I mean, they're freaking. Right. It's bigger than yeah. my computer monitor. I mean, I'm looking at a MacBook. I mean, it's done going crazy. It's got to. It's got to. Yeah, it's got to fall somewhere. What are you saying that a startup um, bass rig? You're going to get a fiberglass boat. And you're going to get a startup rig with, with, with electronics, the basic stuff you're get basic quote unquote that you need to go ledge fishing and, and compete in uh, weekend tournaments. Maybe you fish a couple BFLs or opens or something. You're in a what a hundred grand at least. No, nah, I don't. No, nah, you're not that bad. I, I think I think um, the Bass Pro Shop version I looked at uh, with a 150 on it back. I think it's still around the 24 to 30 thousand dollar mark. With electronics on it? Um, no, without with the electronics, you're probably looking another uh, grand or two. Okay, so it's there. not that bad. But no, it's, it's still it's a significant not. investment. Yes, it's a significant investment. 
Hmm. I'm, I'm like you. Well, I, I, think I fish out of a kayak. Yeah, there you go. I was just going to say, you look at the rise of the kayak market, which is, some, according to people at ICAST and Outdoor Retailer, which I was at right after ICAST, um, the fishing kayak market is, is reaching saturation. Yes. It's huge, but it's, you know, that, that steep growth it's had over the last 10 years is starting to peter off, um, and it's becoming pretty saturated. Some of that might be due to the fact that fishing kayaks are five, six thousand dollars now. Some of them. Yeah, yeah. So as the price now, mine's not. Mine was like an eight hundred dollar kayak, but I don't have a paddle drive or any of that kind of stuff. Neither do I. Right, but you don't need it usually. No, I mean it's nice. You don't need it. It's it's, um, good, it's good when you're out there in the so wind. So yeah, Bass Pro Acquired Legend. Yeah, on the wind it helps. So Bass Pro adds Legend to the list, um, which now includes Nitro, Triton, Ranger, Stratus, if anybody's still buying one of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a pretty significant chunk of the bass boat market. You, I mean, who, you, what else is left? Phoenix, Bass Cat? That's it. That's it? I think that's it. Phoenix and Bass Cat. I mean, that's all. Skeeter. Yeah, Skeeter yeah. is. You're right. So there's the three that are left. Mm-hmm. I, 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 All right. Not... So let's look at that. Let's look at that and let's analyze uh, what has Bass Pro ownership done, even though they call it White River Marine. It's still Johnny Morris that owns yeah. it. What have they done with those brands when they amalgamated them? They didn't turn them into trackers. No. Uh, they really didn't do a whole lot. So it's not Johnny's M.O. to go and scrap everything and rebrand it as his. I think he more likes to be in his castle and collect the money that comes in, but not mess with it too much. I think, you know, I was reading um, some of the past stories. Ranger just had moved into a brand new location. Legends just moved into a brand new location in like the last year. Um, mm-hmm. All of them, I guess, you know, had, had been spending a lot of money to improve their brand. Mm-hmm. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if things didn't, you know, things didn't go right on their end. They over budgeted, they overspent, and he got it at a great deal. I mean, possibly bordering on likely. I don't okay. have insight into that specifically. Uh, but knowing his reputation as being a guy that's all about efficiency, yeah, I, I, I think that that kind of speculation could be on point um, just simply based on the things you hear. Although I did hear during the Triton and, and Rangers deal, um, people really freaked out because those brands have extremely loyal customers. Obviously. Oh, yes, they do. And and legend does too, really. Yeah, those. I mean, those guys. That's like Ford and Chevy, though. They were at yep. it. Yep. Um, the the only thing I heard from that camp was that Johnny went and his team went and they took some of the technology um, that Ranger was using to build both some of the technology that Triton was using and combined them to make them more efficient. That it really improved the product of both brands overall. Um, but I don't know if the end consumer would agree with that or not. As I haven't really talked to a lot of people about that. 
I, I know uh, I was at a tournament a couple years ago, and um, I know the local ranger rep. And I've been doing this thing for almost 10 years. And mm-hmm. he got an earful. And that's the first time I've ever heard. Now, this has been, this is a couple years back. This is about four or five years back. He got an earful. I mean, he got mm-hmm. a lot of earful about, you know, and these are ranger owners that, you know, this issue, that mm-hmm. issue, this issue, that issue. And, you know, hey, I just spent $55,000, $60,080, whatever the heck it was, and this isn't what I was expecting. So we can cross our fingers, I guess, see what happens. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Is it a sign of the end times? No. Is it a sign that Johnny Morris is going to continue to collect wealth until one day he goes to the – a great gig in the sky, yeah. I mean, he's going to keep doing that. And oh, yeah. He's probably going to keep digging weird holes in the middle of Missouri and Arkansas looking for caves or whatever the heck he's doing. <laughs> Have you seen that? No, I haven't seen that. There's a story. If you go to fishingtackleretailer.com and there's a little search bar. By the way, anybody can sign up for our e-newsletter. You don't have to be a business owner to read the website or or the newsletter that goes every week. Um, but if you go to fishingtackleretailer.com and just search anymore, there's a story, it was either last summer or the summer before, where he dug up a golf course. I want to say it was at Table Rock. He dug up this golf course and found some underground caverns. And ever since then, he's like super into geology and caving. He's just been continually exploring this random cavern under a golf course. Who knows how much money he's dumped into it? You know, I guess after being in the fishing industry for as long as he has, you know, with his dad owning the tackle store and then, you know, taking it from there and mucking into the multi-million dollar, billion dollar company it is now, he's probably looking for some change. I don't know what he's looking for down there. (laughs) It's really interesting. You know, you you hear these stories about these mad billionaires, and I, I don't think the guy's like, off his rocker no. too much or anything, but it is just really fascinating. Like, why are you spending who knows how many? It's it's surely tens of thousands, not hundreds. Like dig that hole, right? Uh, that doesn't make much sense to me. But hey, if, if you're a billionaire, dig as many holes as you want. There you go. There you go. Well, Joe, I appreciate you taking the time and coming on and talking with us, and uh, we'd love to have you back on the show. I enjoy reading your stuff, and um, you know we're gonna. I want to have you back on again, like I said, and uh, we'll see how this thing unfolds. I know bat. Uh, I know um, Cabela's is still waiting on someone to purchase their credit card company. I believe that's what I read um, in the Wall Street Journal. Um, that that's still hinging on part of the deal on whether all this is going to go through or not. Is that correct? Uh, um, the last piece of the puzzle for Bastro Cabela's is hinging on a deal right now with Cinevis, I think that's how you pronounce it, Cinevis Financial, yep. uh, which is like a small bank out of Georgia. Um, the original deal got held up with the Trade Commission because Capital One was attempting to purchase um, the Cabela's credit card business. Uh, since that got hung up, they found another partner called Cinevis, might be Cinovius, um, and they've got until October 3rd to uh, approve that. If not, Bass Pro can actually still walk away from the deal pretty much unscathed. So 
It's not done yet. The fat lady hasn't sang, uh, but she is warming up. And <laughs> once she does sing, we'll see what happens. You know? That's true. Well, okay. Well, listen, thanks for having me on. Um, I'd be happy to come back anytime and talk some more about the business side of fishing. Yes, sir. Thank you. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Absolutely. You guys take care. Points, cash, gear, sports. With a Dick Scorecard, you earn points on all your purchases and get 3% back in rewards and access to exclusive deals and events. It's simple. Points lead to cash to buy gear so you can play more sports. Get your Dick Scorecard and start earning reward certificates today. Every season starts at Dick's. All right, guys. We are back with Mr. Brandon Cobb, FLW Tour Pro from Greenwood, South Carolina. What's going on, Brandon? Oh, not much. Just uh, pretty much been hanging out at the house trying to recuperate from a week of probably the most strenuous fishing I've ever done. I bet it has been. I oh, bet my goodness. It has. <laughs> I think I fish more places in three days than your average tournament you would fish in two weeks. <laughs> Well, I, I don't want to I don't want to jump ahead to the final day, but the final day you said you covered the whole entire lake three times, so that's what you said during the interview. <laughs> I, I did, like, I did. Well, guys, Brandon has won numerous tournaments. I mean, he's been to the Forestwood Cup. This is your third trip. You got 15, 16, and 17. That's correct. Right. That's right. That's right. One hundred and twenty-one thousand dollars in winnings of the Forestwood Cup. Um, and you're probably what are you? You're over two hundred thousand, correct? Way over two hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm at three something in Holy earnings cow. at this point. So it's so, been it's been a good couple of years. I, the BFL level was good to me too before I started fishing the tour. So that was yeah. uh, in college. That's kind of how I made my fishing money in college. Well, let's let's uh, let's. Um, Tell every before we get started and ask a bunch of crazy questions here. For those who don't know who you are, give everyone just a little glimpse of who Brandon is. All right, yeah, I'll kind of. I'm from Greenwood, South Carolina, and I I grew up. I mean, I'll kind of go from the beginning. I grew up uh, fishing local tournaments around here with my dad and everything, and then I end up going to Clemson University, where I kind of I was yeah. at the the beginnings of the college fishing phase, kind of like the big. We were just getting the team started and getting everything going at Clemson when I was there. So I didn't do a ton with the college fishing, but I fished the BFL level there and made the BFL All-American. And uh, that's actually the year I made the All-American kind of what jumped me up and I started fishing the tour because my first year on tour, I fished the All-American instead of one of the tour tournaments because they conflicted. So I've actually fished the tour for four years, but only three complete years. Wow. And uh, the the BFL level is definitely definitely what I contribute to getting me the the knowledge and experience to where I am on on the tour today. I, I, I kind of owe it owe it to the BFL level, I believe. That's awesome. Now, did you fish as co angler or as boater in the BFL? Uh, that that's actually one thing that I, I've done a little different than most people who fish. I actually have never fished 
as a co-angler since I started. My dad, I started BFLs. You're not allowed to fish them until you're 16. And uh, my dad had a Triton TR20 back then when I was 16, and he he didn't care to fish as a boater. He said it was too stressful. He'd rather just go ride. That's so, awesome. Uh, <laughs> he as a co-angler, and I fished as a boater. <laughs> Oh, all right, cool. So that, that's how I started off, and he uh, he would travel with me, and and he just he did the co angler thing while I fished his boater. It took me a little while. I think my first year or two on BFLs, I didn't do so great, but then started gaining some ground quick. What do you think helped you gain that gain that ground? Um, really, me personally, I've always believed like, yeah, co angler fishing with people gets you. It, it might get you kind of a jump start, but then you get to a plateau. I think anything you learn on your own, like I, I, when I first started fishing BFLs, looking back, I honestly had no idea what I was doing. But right. that gets you, I, I think that's the best way to learn is it, anything you learn completely on your own, you're going to be better at than going with somebody and them teaching you how to do it. So I, I think that's like, in my mind, I know it's, everybody says fish is co-angler fish. <laughs> to kind of learn some techniques and learn what to look for and stuff. But I think if you actually learn on your own, yeah, it might take longer, but it's a more solid foundation. There you go. Yeah, it's pretty awesome right there. Oh, definitely. So, you've qualified for the Farswood Cup the last three years. Um, You've had some pretty (laughs) daggone good years. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of an I mean, last, year, a, last year was touch and go making the cup. Last year was a stressful year. I, last year was probably, I think that was the worst year I've had so far. I still made the cup, but it was, right. uh, I actually remember the drive home from Champlain. I, I think I was sitting in like 32nd or 31st in points, and the top 35 make the cup, as you know. And I finished like 70th at Champlain. That was the first time I'd ever fished for smallmouth last year and didn't really, didn't really know what I was doing too well and finished 70-something. And driving all the way home, they hadn't released the points yet, and that was one of the most stressful drives home I think I've ever done. <laughs> that is awesome. And I ended up in 35th place, made the last place to make the cup last year. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because you finished 20th in the cup last year, so that's pretty awesome. I mean, like I said, you finished. Yeah, well, la- last year I actually finished. I, I mean, finished ninth, ninth. I mean, ninth in the cup. I mean, you, you ninth, caught 20 yeah. bass, but, yeah, you, you finished ninth. And then uh, in 15, and then everybody knows this year, you finished third. So, you're getting closer, yeah, my friend. Right. It's yeah. going to happen. I, I, it's, actually, it's actually kind of funny. That's actually the same thing I did at BFLs level. I've won two BFLs now back at the local level, but I finished third like five times before I ever won one. So hopefully I don't have to finish third five times in the cup. But Oh, wow. Let's hope not. Yeah, let's definitely hope not. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So going in, not not the third bad. I'll take I'll take third, but yeah, yeah. But it's nice that three hundred thousand dollar check. You, you can double those earnings <laughs> that pretty damn nice. quick. That's right. Um. All right. So going into the twenty seventeen Forestwood Cup, you know, what were your thoughts leading into the event? You know, I know everybody went up there, everybody practiced, and you know, how how did all that go mm-hmm. and yeah, well, actually, Murray Murray's about 40 miles from my house here in Greenwood, so I, I spent a heavy amount of time in pre-practice after the Potomac before it went off limits. I spent a good many days over there, and it, it, the funny thing is, if you'd have asked me five months ago, 
okay, Forest Wood Cup, Lake Murray in August. What do you think is going to be the players? I would have told you some fish would be caught offshore schooling and all that, but I said pretty much I will never make a cast deeper than three feet. I will be burning down the bank trying to catch fish up eating brim. Right. And for some reason this year, I guess the cool weather we had or maybe some of the afternoon rainstorms we had or whatever, it made the fish school and just bite topwater unbelievably well. And practice, I actually spent some time shallow, but I had pretty much already decided a month ago that it's going to be one offshore with the topwater bite, suspended fish type bite, and it, which is odd. Usually around here in June, that bite we were doing is unbelievable. It's awesome. I mean, you could, it's just like it was last week. And then by late September, it's like that. But the month of July and August right. is horrible offshore. It's hard, it's hard to catch anything. But I knew two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, I guess, before it went off limits, I knew that it, it should be over, and if not, it's going to still be working for the cup. Wow. So you had to make some changes. Oh, no. You had to make some changes going into the cup. Since you already had one strategy. That's right. Yeah, yeah that, that's right. Yeah, I, I, I had to actually see I, the top water thing. It's not like it's just simple as pulling up and throwing it out over the deep water and calling fish up. There's the fish to spend on very specific places. And it, I, and I'm, I learned that type of fishing on Lake Hartwell, which is where I went to Clemson was up there and probably spent yep. more time at Hartwell than I did in class at Clemson. But, um, I learned that bite up there and it's very, very specific. I mean, you have to know, but it's not only just cane piles. I mean, every, I know on the FLW live and stuff, they're blowing the cane pile thing out of proportion, but it, the cane piles definitely help, but there's up, they suspend on other places too. And it's very, very specific. And Hartwell, I've got hundreds and hundreds of places where that works. But Murray, I'm not quite familiar enough. So I actually had to spend a lot of time idling and trying to find those schools of fish. It wasn't like I could just go fish places I fished five, six years ago and know where to be. So going into the event, how many places did you have? I mean, you were saying you had to idle. So pretty much a lot of sight um, fishing or was it like a lot of electronics and – I'm not sure. It was a lot. Yeah, I used my Lawrence's. I mean, Lawrence. Yeah. It, it was. I, I spent. Yeah, I spent four all four days of practice pretty much. I still went shallow some because I love to fish shallow and I really wanted to figure out how to catch them shallow. <laughs> but um, for four days, I, I pretty much spent most of my time idling and just marking some. And a lot of it was places I like old cane piles I knew from a long time ago and right. stuff. But a lot the cane doesn't doesn't last real long i mean it's like two three years and it turns into basically you got a pole to fish aren't gonna sit on that so i had to go refine a bunch of places and a bunch of places that used to be good people had put new cane out and things like that and then some of the places that i knew they just suspend already were were still i had to figure out which ones had schools to fish on and things like that so i spent a lot of time just pretty much sitting behind the lorance's idol and i mean probably six to 10 hours a day doing that and then fishing for two or three hours each day of practice. Oh, wow. All right. So going into the event day, number one, um, you mm -hmm. were, you had about 19, uh, let's see here. You had 19, 12 day, uh, day one, you're in third place day one. Mm -hmm. Then everybody knows you took the lead in day number two. And then you went back to third place in day mm -hmm. number three. After you, you know, after you were finding the deep fish and, you know, looking for the cane piles like they're all saying, 
you know, what was your strategy for the rest of the week? You know, what was your baits that you were using? And uh, I'll let you play off that. Okay. All right. Yeah, like after practice, I knew that was going to be my game plan. And I really didn't know, like basically all of practice, I was throwing my top water with right. no hooks. I took the hooks off of them, which, by the way, is a lot more fun than actually using them with hooks. Because I would get, I know one cast in practice, I had 27 bites in one cast. <laughs> I was, oh, wow. I was counting them because you throw it like a hundred yards and one will hit it when it hits the water and then they'll just bite it all the way back to the boat. You don't have hooks. You're not hooking them, which is it's right. real awesome. I think it's more fun than catching them. But um, I did that all practice and I knew I had some good fish bite, but I had no idea that it was 20 pounds or that, that type of weight was there, you know, to catch. I, right. I still figured it was going to be that typical Murray weight for that time of year, 13 to 15 a day would be strong is what I thought. Mm-hmm. But um, first day of tournament, actually, I mean, I caught that. Uh, I, I'm actually a little, uh, I'm aggravated with that weight because the funny thing is, as much money as I've won and done well in FLW tournaments, I have never weighed in 20 pounds in an FLW event. Oh, <laughs> and, wow. uh, I've had 17, 18, and 19 countless, countless times, but I've never had actual true 20 pounds. And I actually had 20.04 that day and had two fish that didn't make it on me so it knocked me back to 1912 but um that was my finally caught 20 pounds <laughs> but um after doing that I, I was catching a lot of my fish i was throwing a whole bunch of different top waters just kind of dependent on like if it was cloudy sunny if the wind was blowing if it wasn't blowing because those fish you can get them to bite almost anything right but to actually get them to eat it where you can hook them is like if you're throwing a top bar that's too loud when it's slick, they're just going to blow it in the air and not get it. Or one that's too quiet when it's, when it's um, wavy or choppy, then they'll just miss it completely, you know. And uh, so I was alternating a lot. I threw a flute, a Zoom Super Fluke a lot. I threw the Yozuri 3DB and 3DR pencils, de- depending on sun, right. slick, or if it was slick, sunny, whatever. And I actually threw the big yozuri saltwater pencil it's called the hydro pencil when i won when it was got real rough you know or needed something with a little more noise i, I threw a ton of different top waters and just just whatever i felt like i needed at the time so a lot of noise a lot of noise was probably one of the main keys is attracting a lot of the fish was that that's big? right yeah especially when when we had the wind yeah when, when the wind got to blowing and it was it, it, you had some chopping stuff more and yep. then when i had so many bo- boats following me and throwing boat waves on everything. You needed something. They just couldn't see it. You know, your, your typical, your typical, like the, that small pencil and stuff, the freshwater version, it just, it, it was great when it was sunny and calm, but it's not loud enough for when it was disturbed. Everything was. Yeah. Probably oh. after day number one, you probably did have a lot of boat traffic, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't say it affected the outcome, but it definitely, it made it hard to fish by the second interval. I probably had 20 or so boats the second day, but by the third day, I think going in leading, going in that third day, I think I probably had 70 to a hundred boats follow me. Oh, wow. And it made it, it made it very, very difficult to fish. And I had a lot of people that were multiple times. I had people pull up on the place as soon as I left them. And I was actually rerunning a lot of stuff. So it kind of, it killed a lot of places, I believe, after I fished them one time. Yeah, that's so it, it made uh, I, I, it, it made it tough that last day. 
Yeah, I'm not too uh, keen on that, to be honest. That wouldn't make me happy at all. And I can tell you, I, I know you being a young guy, but I know a lot of the old guys would have probably said a few words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was trying to deal with it. But uh, really, the, the worst problem was I had plenty of places to fish and even places that I hadn't fished yet. But right. the, the problem I started noticing I was having is a lot of my places, for instance, would be going into a bay. Like I might okay. have a point towards the main lake, then a point halfway back, and then a point like halfway back in the bay, you know, or three-quarters way back right. in the bay. Well, I might know that the third point in there is my best point, but I can't run past the first two because 100 boats are going to follow me over the top of them. Oh so it actually changed up my routine. I had to run them. Even if I thought, for instance, if I thought my places were the best one was in the farthest back and the worst was at the front, I still had to fish the front one before I'd get to the back one because all the boats were going to ride over it. Wow. So that yeah, it got kind of it, it kind of changed my my pattern a little bit and it, it made it it made it a lot tougher. Not not that I mean I don't think the the people weren't fishing them too bad or running fish off. It was just after they ran over the top of it, fish wouldn't bite for a while, so I had to. Pick, pick and choose where I went. Yeah, that kind of that kind of puts a disturbance on the water real freaking quick. I mean, <laughs> it it does. Yeah, it's like it's and they like, don't like to come up and eat a top water after. No, the hundred mercuries chop them up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a hundred percent true. Wow, I'm sorry, that sucks. <laughs> but yeah, it was rough. But it's something you got to deal with in those in those type tournaments and that's actually the first time i mean all the other cups i've done well in tournaments they they weren't really spectator friendly lakes but whether it was trees or wheeler we were going way up creeks and stuff so you didn't really Mm -hmm. have to deal with that but it's great to have the fan base but it was something i've never dealt with as far as my entire time on the tour and i I actually learned a lot about how to manage it if it happens again that's the main thing is learning um oh definitely Bruce, do you have any questions for Brandon? I know I'm asking a bunch. I do. Uh, Brandon, it's good to talk to you again. I met you up at the uh, Potomac River um, on okay. the Saturday. Right. I, was I remember in the parking lot. I was, yes. So how's the leg doing? Uh, it's all right. Actually, it was not great during the tournament. Like in the morning, it was super stiff and it was hard to walk. And then... By the middle of the day, it got all right, and then by way in, it was like I had overused it again. But actually, the last few days sitting around, and then I think it actually kind of helped it because it made me use it a lot and kind of loosened it up some. So it's actually feeling a lot better today than it did before the tournament. Good, good. So you were able to just stand up on the deck without the aid of anything this time? Um, to an extent, I would, uh, I, I put my, the, the little seat up there, like the little butt seat, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, right. I would lean on it some, I would lean in on it some, and then it's actually, it was difficult for me to run the trolling motor or it was easy for me to run the trolling motor with my injured foot, but it was kind of hard to stand on it. So I just kind of had to fish with my left foot, always run the trolling motor. Wow. That was oh, the easiest man. way I could deal with it. But it helps in the future if you ever. I couldn't hear you. I said that'll help in the future if you ever have to fish off the right side and use that left leg to steer by too. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it definitely took me. The the Potomac, it was a big hindrance because I actually couldn't even fish out of the right, uh, left side of the boat because I couldn't run the trolling motor 
with my right or well, the opposite side. I'm excuse me. I couldn't fish out the right side of the boat. Right. I couldn't run the trolling mower at all with my left foot because I had that boot on. Oh man! So, so that took a lot of getting used to. Like, because typically when I pull up on the bank, that's the direction I like to go. And now I couldn't. I couldn't do it. But so actually, I'm getting that back. Turned, it. My, that actually turned into a, an, ass, an asset. Then really, um, it did. A lot of people don't realize that going down the bank in a different direction is totally different. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, you, you're switching the whole side of the boat, you know, everything, and it's a totally different thing. So um, It is. It is. It does them getting used to it, and that's actually what I did in the off-limits between the off limits between when we could fish Murray and the tournament start, started, I went fishing almost every day on the other surrounding lakes around here that I was still allowed to go to. And oh, wow. basically just, just try to like re- rehabilitate my foot a little bit, strengthen the muscles back up for fishing on my leg and, uh, and kind of get used to fishing a little different than the normal. So I, I went almost every single day before practice started for the cup. Mm. Yeah, that. I know at the Potomac it was kind of rough on you up there on the stage, trying to move around with that. Uh, I, I guess you want to call it a kneeling crutch. Yeah, it was. Called, I think it's called a knee walker. It was called an I Walk 2.0, and actually, that thing right there, like, saved my season. I feel like, <laughs> like for Potomac, that was the best. I, my fiance found that thing online, and. Uh, ordered it for me and that that's cool. i don't know what i would have done at potomac without that thing <laughs> mm. that's awesome man I, oh i know i i remember seeing him walking up on the stage and it was like you could see it was a it was a hindrance that's for sure <laughs> well i know it i know I, that's I, right I know yeah, it I, definitely wasn't as smooth but i know when we met at icast uh brandon was sitting in a chair and i was like he ain't getting up for a while. I mean, you got up to see a few people, but I knew it had to be rough standing at ICAST as well on that carpet. and Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not moving. Yeah, it, it, it was rough. Just wait till you hit 40. Yeah, and I, I'm worried. I, I don't know what the long-term effect of breaking this bone I broke is. I, I don't know if it's – the doctor seemed to not think it should cause too many okay. problems in the future, but – uh I hope I hope it doesn't because it was actually a joint I broke, which tends to cause problems with arthritis and things like that. But yes. hopefully it won't uh, won't do too much. He wasn't real real concerned about it, so all we can do is wait and see. Okay. Well, hopefully it doesn't cause any problems. That's right. I'd like not. to see you go back next year and win a little. <laughs> that's right. We're actually going back to Wachita for the cup next year, and that that was where my kind of my whole cup. Uh, streak started was that was the first cup I'd ever fished was at Wachita and I really love fishing that lake so hopefully I can have a great season again and make it back there well I hope so yep um so what do you think about the 2018 season coming up any uh surprise locations that you're looking forward to or yeah the, the schedule I actually like like the schedule pretty good I mean Lanier Lanier, the funny thing is, uh, Lanier's actually where I made the All-American at, the BFL All-American. That, yeah. was, that, that was through the BFL Regional at Lanier. 
So I really, I like Lanier. It fishes a lot like Hartwell in these typical Heron lakes around here and Smith, same way. The Okeechobee, me and Okeechobee don't have the greatest relationship. We don't get along too much, but um, hopefully Okeechobee, I, I can figure it out a little bit next year. And it's the first tournament, so that'll give me a chance to go down there and pre-practice in December some and, and kind of get a little more familiar with it. And uh, the last one, player, uh, I believe, or the it's – um. I've never been there. I, I don't know. All the northern fisheries are a little bit foreign to me. I, I haven't. Champlain was the first time I've ever fished very far up north, and I, I don't right. know a lot about it, but I'm excited to go. Awesome. So I like I like the schedule. It, it's got it's got some ones I'm not sure about, but that's one thing I learned this year throughout the schedule. My three best finishes this year were Harris Chain, Gunnersville, and Potomac. Yep. And when the schedule came out last year, that was the three that I would have said – was my least favorite of the whole schedule and would, would have concerned me like maybe not doing well in those. And that was my best finishes all year. Cool. Mm. And maybe, maybe we can get the FLW to schedule one up on the James river. Maybe one day. I've never been to the James. I, I would like to go there. I, I heard it's a tough fishery, but it's pretty good. It's just kind of, it's tough to catch a limit, but there's good ones in there. That's true. Oh, it oh it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, and I love Potomac. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, James. To me, the James River is better. Really? Will you be at the hard to believe for the Potomac? Awesome. Will you be? You're not going to the Potomac this weekend, are you? Uh, actually, that Shane LeHue and Justin, my my two travel buddies, they they called me a little bit ago trying to. They're, they're we're talking you. about going, and they're. Cause I, they, they need boats, uh, they need boats up there. So we were talking about going to fish it. I don't know if we'll do it or not, but I may be there. Awesome. I always ask oh, everyone, definitely. I always ask everyone at the end, um, is there something that you can take away from the 2017 year? Something that you learned in 2017 that, you know, helped shape you as a better angler for 2018? What would that be? Yeah, well, definitely nothing. There wasn't much like technique-wise or new mm-hmm. style of fishing. But what I mentioned earlier, the whole don't the you always say. I mean, you don't have any preconceived notions about anything. But as far as the season goes, I mean, my with my best tournaments being what the tournaments I was worried about the most. I don't think you can get frustrated with schedule or be like, oh man, I really don't want to go fish there. Right. You, you have no idea what's going to be the best tournament of the year or which one's going to be exactly turn out to be exactly what you want to do. So just look, looking for, I've got, I've learned to like next year looking at the schedule. Yeah, I know what the schedule is, but I mean, it, it's really different to me. And no matter where we are going, you, all you can do is just go fish and you, it might be your best or it might be your worst. Awesome. Oh, definitely. Hi, Bruce. You have any more questions for Mr. Brandon Cobb? Um, no, just when you taking me fishing. No, I'm, I'm only <laughs> Come on down um, to South Carolina and we'll go. Yeah, we're we'll, all right. We'll I'll be, be there in March. Yeah, we'll be down there for the Bassmaster Classic. We're we're all we're all loading up in a truck and heading south, so we're, we'll be there for that. But that's right. I got one more chance to hopefully. I, I'm fishing the last Southern Open on Smith in uh, September, so. Gives me one more chance. I haven't done well in the other two, but one more chance to try to get in there to that classic. Got to win, but yes, you def- got to win. Definitely, uh, I'm looking forward to going to fish it. 
definitely. Well, it's good attainable. Luck. Yes, it is. That's good right. luck to you for the rest of the year. Are there any sponsors, any shout-out that you would like to give anyone before we exit? Yeah, just uh, all my sponsors have helped me all year. I mean, I've been running a Ranger Mercury all year, and uh, I definitely put it to the use last week. I mean, I think the first day I burnt 41 gallons of gas, second day 43, and then I don't, I haven't refilled yet, but it's pretty much empty, and that's not because of bad fuel mileage. That's because I ran like a racetrack around the whole lower end of Murray. But um, then uh, Arc Rods, Yozuri Lures, I mean, I've been using them all year, and they treated treated me well and Lawrence that that I don't know if you watched live but my Lawrence's they were essential last week to pulling up on everything right because I was fishing so many places if you weren't efficient getting on the right place then you just killed tons of time you could have fished 10 more places that throughout right. the day and I would touch my waypoint when I was running up on it and it's got a countdown for how many feet you are from it and I would come off pad at about 290 feet from my waypoint and then by the time i got the trolling motor down and everything i could throw my top water right out there right over the place the fish were suspended that's awesome so it was uh definitely definitely all my equipment was to, was crucial last week and the fish i caught well tell everyone out there how they can uh, find you on social media as always all right yeah you can uh you can follow me i've got a instagram and a facebook page it's just simple brandon cobb fishing on both of them yep and uh i try to keep it updated pretty pretty often and throughout the fall i'll probably be doing some my, my fall times my riverboat adventures i take my little duck boat and aluminum boat and i go as far up rivers and catch fish as i can so we'll, i'll probably get some pretty cool videos and pictures this fall doing that so awesome be, definitely go follow it awesome well brandon man me and uh, oh, bruce yeah. me and Bruce, appreciate you coming on and talking with us today, and um, good luck in the future, and uh, hopefully we can sit down and do this again real soon. Yeah, I hope so. I appreciate y'all having me on. And hopefully we'll see you at the Classic. (laughs) Yes, sir. Hopefully so. I got one more chance, so we'll see. All right. Thank you, Brandon. All right. Thank y'all for having me on. It's that time of the year again, and the dog days of summer are here. No better place to cool off than on the water. Whether it be boating, fishing, or both, Stanton River Outdoors has your needs covered. Stop on by and see our line of Pelican canoes, kayaks, and accessories, or our large selection of fishing gear. We also offer canoe and kayak rentals on the Stanton River. Find us on Facebook, call us at 434-608-2601, or stop by at 508B Pennsylvania Avenue, Alavista, Virginia. Stanton River Outdoors for all your outdoor needs. All right, guys, we are back. FLW 2017 Rookie Cup winner, Justin Atkins from Florence, Alabama. What's going on, brother? Man, not a whole lot. Just uh, taking a few phone calls and getting some things lined up for 2018, getting ready to get that started. You know, I'm. it's kind of crazy you're talking about that. That's what I've been working on all week besides doing podcasts, and I've done quite a few this week. That's what we're working on already around here, too, because schedule's already out. You know, your FLW schedule's already out, and uh, a lot of other schedules are already out. So it's uh, – it, I know how tournaments are probably where you're from in Alabama. If you don't get them on the calendar, you don't get them. Correct. That's exactly right. So. Oh, yeah. definitely. 
Alright, so for those who might not know who you are, they, a lot of people hopefully know now, give us a little bit of history about Mr. Justin Atkins, your start in bass fishing. Um, Justin Atkins is now 27 years old and resides in Florence, Alabama. I'm originally from Columbus, Mississippi. I grew up in a little community called New Hope. Um, grew up fishing on the Tom Bibby Waterway, uh, mainly the Columbus, Aliceville, and Aberdeen pools. You know, I, I started tournament fishing in early age with my dad. We'd fish a couple team tournaments, you know, here at seven, eight years old. You know, we weren't competitive by any means. You know, he was more or less just taking me for the fun of getting to go out there and say that I fished a tournament. Um, by the time I was 12 or 13, we ended up, you know, he got a newer boat. I mean, it was a new Ranger at the time, but we just updated from the one that we had. You know, like I said on stage, we've owned Ranger boats since 1982. That's all my family's ever had. And uh, so we got a new Ranger. They just started a new um, big team division called Team Trails of Mississippi. And um, kind of the precursor for how the Alabama Bass Trail, yeah, you know, has yeah. kind of what it's become. Um, you know, this guy kind of, foresaw the writing on the wall that that was a potential thing to do back 10 years ago and started this deal and um so we fished that um that's really you know when this desire to tournament fish you know um started to evolve by the time i was um 16 or 17 i think probably i think i was 16 i started fishing you know bfls as a co-angler mm-hmm. traveling with uh, a good family friend of mine named gene brown and um doing things like that because gene fished all the bfls my dad fished red man you know when i was younger but um the old red by this series. time yeah he wasn't that's right he didn't have any you know real interest in fishing the bfls as a boater at this time you know in my teenage years we just fished team tournaments together and then i traveled to fish um the bfls with gene and uh eventually you know decided to make the swap to the boater side when i was 19 i won the weekend series national championship as a co-angler and won fifty thousand dollars which kind of helped fun you know the early stages of me being a boater getting a little better tow truck you know tow vehicle and things like that and um i, I purchased you know a ranger boat and the equipment for it and all that and, that's awesome uh started fishing the bfls as a boater and um you know, it's just, it kind of run from there. I, I fished the BFLs for a couple of years as a boater. Then I fished, you know, it's called the Everstart Series back then, now the Coastas. Um, had some success, made the Coastal Championship as a, you know, as a boater when I was 20 years old. Um, started fishing them again the next year and uh, had a couple rough events and kind of decided then, like, I could do this, but I felt like I needed to go back to school and go ahead and right. get that out of the way because I could foresee this becoming a deal of, me doing it for a couple more years going back to school so i decided right then so i needed to stop and go back um very first Tosa series event that i ever fished as a boater jordan lee was my co-angler that's and we awesome. got to be really good friends um yeah and we got to be really good friends from that and uh i mean now we talk every day he was in my wedding a, you know a month ago him and matt both were but he uh i was seeing a lot of success he was having and a lot of exposure he was getting through college fishing um, you know, with FLW and BASS, and so I was doing well fishing coastal events. I mean, making the coastal championship is no small feat. You have FLW tour pros and locals from every lake you go to that fishes these, and so right. to come out, you know, and make it at that age, I knew I had the ability, but I wasn't seeing the kind of exposure that I felt like I should be getting, and I felt like with my talents, you know, not to be boastful or anything, but I felt like I was plenty well enough that 
if I fish, you know, back at some college level, I might get some serious exposure and meet some people. And that's really kind of how this whole thing evolved. Um, I met a lot of great contacts through college fishing. Um, got a lot of tournament experience on different lakes. I mean, that's where all my bluebacks herring experience came from, was fishing college, um, BASS National Championships at Lake Chateau, learning how to read blueback lakes and things like that. And um, I met a guy that got me the job that moved me to Florence, which in turn led into a job with Hummingbird that gave me the time off to be able to come fish the tour. So that's really kind of how the whole thing evolved. That's awesome, dude. You know, I was reading that you actually fished a, um, you fished the FLW tour, and um, in 2010 you fished, I guess you fished uh, one tournament, and you fished yeah, it I fished as a the co- tour event as a co-angler. As a co-angler, you know, how sure. how did all that help your future? You know, it, to move up to the elites in 2017, man. You know, um. Back in 2010, they had that event at Lake Gunnersville, and I had a good friend of mine that, you know, he would try to pick some every year to go fish a few of them. He's like, dude, it's an awesome experience. It'll give you a good first-hand experience of kind of what it's going to be all about, if that's right. something that you want to do, you know, for the rest of your life. So I went over there and fished that um, event. My first-day partner was Dion Hibden. You know, drew out with an absolute legend the first day. He's a great guy. We've got to be friends through that, you know, and still try to, you know, keep in contact and just speak with each other. And uh, second day, I fished with Vic Valero. And the third day, I fished with Ron Sheffield, who's another, you know, absolute fishing legend. And, you know, all those guys were awesome. And just the conversation that day with them, you know, those three days with them and things. I mean, I just knew that's really what I wanted to do the rest of my life. So looking looking at that, looking at your – your uh, past uh, BFL experience, you fished the Costa Series. Um, you've done pretty well in that. You, were, you I think the highest I see you ranked in the Costa was 41st. Um, Correct. Moving to the Elites in 2017, you know, me and Bruce spoke about that, it earlier. Uh, technically, it's the Tour. The Tour, I mean. Yeah, the FLA Tour in 17. You know, you... Um, you didn't have enough money to start the season. You went out on a wing and a prayer. What let you know, how did all this thing come about, man? You know, the way it all really come about is when I got this job with um, Hummingbird, it, it allowed me a lot of free time. I'm a contract worker for them. I do hydrographic surveying. Oh. Um, you know, I work when I'm available for them. So what it allowed me to do was to have a job. That's and awesome. be able to do something else, you know, evolve something else at the same time. Where it started off as I was going to try to start a guide business on the Tennessee River and, you know, inside the, the hummingbird job. Right. And that was that was really, I was planning on going, like, down to Mobile and going to sea school, getting my captain's license and all that. And then I found out that the BFL American was going to be on Pickwick okay. the following year. Well, I had already pretty much locked my spot up to go to the regional, and it was on Lake Dardanelle, which is where I won the national championship in 09. So I've had previous good experience there. I was looking forward to getting back to that lake. And so at that point, I started working to save every dollar I could, getting finances correct, working on trying to find some sponsorships and things like that. And, you know, just entry fees alone on the tour is $30,000. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, 
just raking up thirty thousand dollars in a six month period is no easy feat. You think the average person so, income is thirty thousand um, dollars? Exactly. You know, and um, I was fortunate to have a job that paid really well at the time, so I did every you know everything I possibly could for them and saved a lot. But once you factor in travel expenses and all that, because I didn't know if I'd have anybody to room with. You know, so that's that's where it comes into only having enough for, you know, about four or five events. I mean, I saved up enough to pretty much go ahead and pay for all my entry fees, but you got to look at travel and yep. all that in there. So really, I kind of set a number for myself to say, if I don't get a check and I get to this point, that's where I'm going to cut it off at. You know, we can say we tried, it was a good run, it was fun, this is where we're going to cut it off at. Right. So if I had not cut a single check this year, that's, you know, where I was going to draw the line at. Well, the first tournament being on Lake Gunnersville, I have a lot of experience there, fished there a ton. You know, it's, that was not one that really intimidated me too awful much. And I was going to get a lot of time to go to that pre-practice. So I went and spent a whole week pre-practicing, turn around and come back, practice during the first, you know, during our official practice and have a really good event. You know, finished in the top 10. I finished ninth on my first event. You know, I got a $15,000 check. That pretty much went ahead and sealed up my money needs, you know, financial needs for the rest of the year. And then I go on to, you know, get a check at Lake Travis. Um, I've missed a check by one ounce at the Harris chain. The next (laughs) one was Lake Cumberland. I got another check. I had a bad event at Beaver, but by this point now, my confidence level is really high. I know that I can do it. Um, Money's not the issue anymore. You know, I've gotten – three three or four checks up to this point um i've made all american it's on my home pond i i don't expect to win it but i expect to do really well and you know that tournament uh, coincided with ranger cup pays really well um so you know money is kind of phased out it's not even being an issue at this point i just it's on cruise control you know i'm full-fledged doing my you know doing my very best to be a professional fisherman so we get to uh you know, get to Wisconsin, have a great event there, finish in the top ten, turn it back to the Potomac, have a great event there, and get another $10,000 check. Uh, All-American rolls up at Pickwick, and I finished third. I made $23,000 there. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it it was really, you know, all evolving. And uh, so to say I started out not having the money to fish, but four events, that's really, you know, I may have could have, left in my truck a little more and done this and that squeezed another one or two out but i decided if i couldn't get a check in the first four and make something happen then you know that was that'd be a good point to cut it off but you know i prayed about it really hard i felt like i felt like you know you know we're given opportunities in life and uh for just obedient that things are going to work out and i felt like that's kind of where i was supposed to be and that was the time it, I've, I've forced it to try to make it work my whole life and when I kind of just sat back and said it's going to happen when it's supposed to happen, that's when it kind of happened. And uh worked out great, man. It's been good. It's been a real blessing. All oh, right. Definitely. So let's talk about the cup, man. We've we've laid the groundwork going into the uh, 2017 Forestwood Cup, man. What was, you know, what was your thoughts? How did practice go for you? You know, how, how confident were you after um, practice? Well, to start to start off the whole Forest Wood Cup story, um, you know, I came back from Potomac and I got married the next weekend. We went on our honeymoon. 
the next week when we got back, we closed on a house, got moved into it, and I packed all my stuff up and left headed to South Carolina to go pre-practice for the last week that it was available, you know, before the off-limits period. Right. So, um, you know, word on the street, everybody kind of knew it going into the event. Kane Piles could be a player. Yeah. You know, the last two times they've been there in 2008, they had a lot of rain and the water got some color to it. And so the shallow bite was kind of the deal then. Well, fast forward 2014, it was a real hot summer. The lake kind of thermoclined, put a lot of fish shallow, put a lot of fish high in the water column schooling. So everybody kind of came in ready for that shallow bite. And I had sat back and kind of looked at it, and we've had a pretty mild summer. I mean, I get it, 90 degrees is hot, but normally it's 110, water temperatures in the high 90s, you know, I mean, it gets hot. And water temps in the mid-80s, you know, I mean, that's not bad at all. So I really looked at it as we had a potential for a really good offshore bite. So um, I got those Hummingbird Mega Imaging units. They are the greatest units I've ever seen in my life. I've run a lot of brands. The picture of these things will return is unbelievable. So I get out there and I start looking. And I, and I find, you know, some of these cane piles. Well, I can see on my side scan, I'll see the shadow out there, the cane pile. I notice I can see dots in the fresh ones. And the real fresh ones, you can see that they got the limbs and the leaves and everything still yeah. on them. And you'll see these real hard returns of the fish in them. And so I'm finding some that are old and they're just, you know, they almost look like telephone poles and they may have like a fish, but you'll find a really fresh one and it may have five to 15 bass in it. And some of those could be striper mixed in, but you'll see yeah. a good population oh, yeah. of fish around them. So I, one thing I learned fishing on the Tennessee River, they're either out deep or they're on the bank. And there's really no in between. No. You know, if you're fishing out deep and you're not seeing these big schools of bass, you're not catching five pounders. Those fish are possibly on shallow and gotten in the grass, whatever else, for forage reasons, oxygen reasons, whatever. But I'm seeing a lot of fish out here in these cane piles. And so to do my homework correctly, I go to the bank and fish some in the morning, some in the middle of the day, some late in the afternoon. I'm not getting bit. I'm not seeing any swimming around. None of that's going on. So now the wheels are really turning. These fish are heavy offshore. You know, this is really, this is the deal. This is where the big population of fish in this lake are living right now. So that's all in pre-practice. I leave there and I come home. Um, You know, and I told my wife, I said, look, I think I've got a pretty good deal figured out, a pretty good idea of what's going on in the lake. If nothing changes too much, this could turn out to be a good event. And um, I get back over there the first morning. I you know, graph over some piles of found. They're still just blowed up with fish. I left there immediately, went to the bank, started fishing, didn't get a single bite, maybe like a 10-incher. I, right. That was one thing about pre-practice. I would catch a few little ones on the bank. I didn't even, like, catch a little one in practice, you know, for official practice. So I'm thinking now, this is it. This is the deal. So I write the whole bank thing off. I get offshore. I fry the hummingbirds up, and I just graph for four days. The only time I veered away from that, one day it was raining a lot, and I had a writer wanting to do, you know, a practice article with me, and I felt like that was a good time to go do something a little different. I didn't want to go out there to my primary pattern I knew I was going to do in the tournament. Um, that would be a good time for me to spend a few hours going up the river, still fishing shallow, doing something a little different. I went up there, and I caught a few keepers, no big ones. You know, didn't see any anything that made me feel like that's really what I need to be doing. And, right. Um just kind of solidified that I was going to spend my time on that lower end of the lake, you know, fishing the cane piles. I have a lot of confidence fishing offshore. If I know those fish are out there, there's a way to catch them, you know, and I know I'm throwing by some every cast. I don't like going, 
I grew up fishing down the bank. That's okay. why, I mean, I, I didn't make an overhand cast till I was 20 years old. I mean, I oh, grew up wow. on the river being a junk fisherman. There you go. But fishing in a clear water lake where you can see them, you know, if you troll by one, that's not my deal. I don't like being that shallow in a clear water lake. I like to get offshore, stay way back off the fish, kind of know where they're sitting at. I mean, that, that's, that's really my program. And so I felt confident going out there and doing that and just kind of rolled with it in the tournament, and it worked out good. That's awesome, dude. Uh, I know here we, you know, I we live close to Smith Mountain Lake, and it's a clear lake as well, and um, it can be tough, extremely tough. Absolutely. All right, so going in, you had th- you um, day one took the lead. You had a great day one. You know, you average you had twenty one five on day one. Um, day t- mm-hmm. day two, you had right around uh, nineteen pounds. And then day Man, three, I was 16. I had 15, 16. 14 on day two. That's right. And then uh, day three, you kind of crushed it. What were uh, what were the techniques that you yeah. were using? I caught every fish on a uh, it's a I'm a little stick 135 chrome in color. It's just a three hook popper. I kind of picked it over a couple of different brands because it seemed to ride the waves better. Right. Wave traffic got up. Um, it didn't want to dive into the you know it didn't want to dive through the waves. It, out you know while you're you got your cadence going um you know and that that was the bait i picked a lot of people got hung up on the zone you know like throwing a fluke style bait to get bites because yep. it got more bites but it tended to get more smaller bites you would catch some good ones on it but if you got a bite on that pencil popper i mean it was a good one i mean seven out of ten you know were three plus pound bass and, you know, that, that's what you're fishing for in an event like that, man. You want to catch big ones. It's not about getting bites. It's just about catching big ones. And, um, so that's the, you know, that's the bait I picked. The first morning of the tournament was real cloudy. It had been cloudy all week during practice. Yeah. And I, best I can tell, you know, I'm no blueback expert, but best I could tell from watching on my electronics and just kind of let nature tell me what was going on, those bluebacks would get down in the water column when it was cloudy, I guess, kind of protect them from above you know, water predators such as hawks, ospreys, whatever else. So they would get down real low in the water column, and it would put those fish right in the cane piles because I think they used it as more of an ambush point then. Mm-hmm. They'd have to get in there and kind of hide and wait on them to come by. So that made your bite more predictable. You could throw it right out over the top of that cane pile, and the fish would come straight up and get it. Well, second morning of the tournament, it's a little sunny, and with my experience, you know, over the last two days of the tournament, it seemed like the bluebacks got a lot higher in the water column, sunny, which allowed those fish to get out roam and wolf pack them more. You know, because say he gets up in the very top of the, you know, water column and that bass is 12 or 15 foot down, that blueback's not going to see him down there below him. You know right. what I mean? So he can kind of get out, roam around him and his buddies and school him up and run them straight to the surface, which would cause a schooling effect that was happening out around the cane piles. The bass are still using the cane piles as a central location, but they would get out around it and ambush, you know, more more aggressively, to say. Because on cloudy days, I never really saw a whole lot of schooling. It was just straight calling them out of the, you know, out of the cane pile. So, second morning of the tournament, I spent the first hour of a three-hour bite window trying to get them to bite right over the top of the cane pile, and that's not where they were. They were all out around it. And I would make a long cast to get my bait right over the cane pile, and they'd come up schooling 20 yards either side. And I wouldn't get my bait wound in in time to get it out there. So it took me about an hour kind of to get dialed on that. 
And I ended up capitalizing, you know, to catch that 16 pounds. But I had one, not even a two-pounder. So, you know, I caught four really good ones and lost a really good one that would have given me an 18 or 19-pound bag going into the last day. But, you know, I didn't. But I didn't really write that off as a loss or let it discourage me. It actually fired me up because I figured out what to expect. If it was cloudy the next day, I knew what to do. If it was sunny the next day, I knew what to do. It didn't matter. So, you know, fast forward to the last day. Um, I went to the place where I saw the most schooling activity the day before. First stopped, didn't have any luck. Left there and went to the very next spot. And so I just saw, you know, one set of herring kind of bust up. And only one largemouth was getting after them. And the day before, there was multiple fish trying to get after them when they would bust. So I throw to this one fish. He blows up, hook up with him for just a second, and he pulls off. It's just part of topwater fishing on long casts and things like that. Um, I saw that it really wasn't going down right in there for whatever reason. The wind was blowing a little bit more that day, kind of into that area of the lake. And it, it just wasn't happening quite as good. So I cranked right. up, and I went across the lake to an area that I knew had a lot of fish. To be honest with you, it had the two most impressive cane piles I found on it. But the first day I had a lot of, I had on my walk before I ever thought about going to them. Right. You know, my first few stops, I caught all my weight the first day. So I just didn't fish anything else. So the second day, I tried to make the same pass, and it didn't pan out quite as good. And so I went to that side of the lake, but it was the late morning by then. They weren't schooling anymore, and I managed to call up two big ones straight out of a cane pile but there wasn't any kind of schooling activity but after i would fish these places i would idle over them just to keep a good tally on how many fish were in them and I had a lot of fish were in this area you know in every cane pile right. right in this one little area had a lot of fish in it so the next morning i visit there you know 30 minutes into the day instead of two and a half hours into the day and when i pull up i mean it's happening these you know these big ones are coming up everywhere out here around these cane piles and um i was ready for that you know instead of immediately throwing out over the pile when I pull up, I pull up and kind of wait a second. And uh, so I feel like your trolling motor, putting it in the water, cutting the big motor off, that would get those herring, you know, a little nervous. And Bass could sense that, and it would cause them to come up to school. You know, kind of immediately when you get there, or right. everything kind of would calm down, and they would go back to doing their normal routine. So, you know, I, I was just prepared the last day and um, running to a good spot. And, um, prep- preparation opportunities, what makes luck, and you know, there you go. both of them, both of them for me that last morning. All right, guys, we are talking to uh, Justin, man, a Farswood Cup 2017 winner. We're gonna be right back with Justin. We're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna be right back, man. It's that time of the year again, and the dog days of summer are here. No better place to cool off than on the water. Whether it be boating, fishing, or both, Stanton River Outdoors has your needs covered. Stop on by and see our line of pelican canoes, kayaks, and accessories, or our large selection of fishing gear. We also offer canoe and kayak rentals on the Stanton River. Find us on Facebook, call us at 434-608-2601, or stop by at 508B Pennsylvania Avenue, Alavista, Virginia. Stanton River Outdoors for all your outdoor needs. Points, cash, gear, sports. With the Dick Scorecard, you earn points on all your purchases and get 3% back in rewards and access to exclusive deals and events. It's simple. Points lead to cash to buy gear so you can play more sports. Get your Dick Scorecard and start earning reward certificates today. 
Every season starts at Dick's. All right, guys. We're back, man. Justin, winner, FLW 2017 Farswood Cup. I want to let Bruce take it over from here and ask his questions, my friend. We accidentally dropped it. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I just have. Yeah, I kind of missed you at the uh, Potomac. I don't, I don't think I saw you Saturday that on Saturday that week. Uh, I just can't remember offhand. That's what happens when you get old. See, <laughs> I uh, understand. No, you don't know yet. You're still too young for that. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I'm not sure what everything y'all covered while it's gone, but, but with the two, 2018 schedule coming up, what's the one stop you're really looking forward to? To be honest with you, I mean, really a couple of them. I'm looking forward to going back to the Harris Chain. You know, being there in February, there'll be – you know, a lot of spawning fish. There'll be pre-spawn and post-spawn fish, offshore fish. It should space out. Everybody should be able to do a lot of things. Should be a lot of fish caught. I'm looking forward to going back to Lake Cumberland. That place has really got a lot of fish. It was a lot of fun this year. Um, had the weather not turned so foul, I mean, there's no telling what kind of weights it would have taken. Um, this That place has really got them. And then the last one, you know, that I'm really looking forward to is probably Kentucky Lake. You know, it's close to home. It's the Tennessee River Lake. I think it's going to be early enough in the year that it's not just strictly an offshore tournament. Um, those have gotten where they're a little overrated because everybody knows how to do it. Everybody gets out there on the same spots. But right. that one should be early enough that, you know, it could definitely get one doing more than one thing, you know. And uh, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to that one. That should definitely be a good a good Tennessee River showcase for sure. Awesome. You know, what looks to be the most difficult that you see coming up this year? Um, to be honest with you, the most kind of intimidating one is a lake that I truly have a you know a passion for fishing and a love for is Lake Okeechobee. You know, I really love that place. I've caught them well down there the few times that I've been down there. I, I tend to understand the lake and how it sets up and things like that, but it's still a huge lake. And it always seems like there's one area that's more key than the whole rest of the lake. It seems like all the fish get caught in, you know, 20 or 30% of the lake. And right. if you miss that spot, you know, you get left behind. So just being a great fisherman always isn't the deal with Lake Okeechobee. Sometimes you need to get a little lucky and be sure that you've practiced in that area that turns out to kind of be the key area that a lot of fish get caught. So that's the wild card that kind of scares me. I look forward to being down there. I look forward to going down there and fishing. I love Florida fishing in January. I love Lake Okeechobee. But it definitely is the biggest um, wild card to possibly be in, you know, a difficult event, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, true. it doesn't take much to miss the spot. That's for sure. Correct. Um, so I, have you ever been to the James River? <laughs> I've not. I've never been there. Man, we need to get you up here. I mean, yeah. the James and the Chick of oh, Make the Potomac look sad. <laughs> I heard that. I heard that. I sure love the Potomac while I was there. I'm actually thinking about going back and fishing the Costa event next week. It's going to be there. Yeah, somebody said you're oh, trying. Cool. Somebody said you're trying to talk him into fishing that event. I ain't mentioned no names or nothing, but he said you're begging pretty hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, trying to get you to make a ride with me and go up there and. You'll give it another whirl. 
Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she wasn't there at the Potomac, was she? Who's that? Your wife. No, sorry, she wasn't. All right. I was just trying to figure out, does she do a lot of traveling with you now, or she stay at home more, or? No, she's a um, she's a school teacher, so she stays home and works. And um, she would have came to that, you know, the Potomac event. It was during the summer, but she right. uh, she was wedding planning. We got married the week I got back from being at the Potomac. So, other than that, you know, when she has free time away from school, she travels with me. But she uh, she stays home and works most of the time. That's awesome. Oh, all right. Somebody's got to keep the home fires straight there. There you go. Yeah, so um, I lost that whole train of thought right then. Uh, shoot, lost where I was headed. You got to write anyway, it down. I did write it down. I lost my okay. note. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he lost everything. Uh, it's been one of those whirlwind weeks, you know. I know yours has been all topsy-turvy with interviews and all kinds of things going on. Has it really sunk in? Uh, it's starting to a little bit now. It's starting to a little bit. It, it hadn't until this point. Um, it's still, you know, I walk into my living room and look at that trophy and it sinks in <laughs> a little more every time, but it's it's still pretty surreal. I know it's going to make you keep going. Don't. I know it's going to make 2018 a whole lot. I know it's going to make 2018 a whole lot uh, easier. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's that's subject I was going to touch back on. You know, like Lake Okeechobee, you know, being a wild card. Yep. I don't really have to worry about that. You know, you always want to do your absolute best. I want to win Angler of the Year every year, you know, win every event possible. But next year, if I have a bad one, really no skin off my back i got the cup made already and you know we can roll it off and go on to the next one you know still i'll still be upset if i have a bad event but that's just the competitor in me but at the end of the day it's you know it's not gonna keep me out of that you know that championship so that'll be a good deal it's awesome so are you gonna you're gonna run with brandon again next year yes uh me and brandon and shane should be rooming together again next year for sure cool cool he hasn't got any bad habits to bother you, though, does he? <laughs> Do what now? <laughs> I bet he doesn't have, have any bad, bad habits. habits. To me. No, uh-uh, not at all. Oh, man, me and Shane probably probably drive him nuts. He's uh, he's way more organized and on top of things than me and him tend to be. So, uh, he, uh, we we probably got bad habits to drive him nuts. But we, uh, it all works out to be a great team ship. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward. That's awesome. Oh, definitely. I think I we've covered just about everything. I mean, I mean, just getting to know who you are is a, such a big, big difference in everything. It's just learning who you are and what makes you tick yep. and what drives you. It, it's you know, people don't hear that. They hear, "I won. This is what I did." we ever learn mm-hmm. about most anglers. Yeah. It's that learning who somebody is and what motivates them and like you stepping out of the you know, on a leap of faith to to go this year and to see that 
what God has put out there and has helped you do this year just because you trusted and let him guide you along. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's been it's been awesome and you know, I appreciate you guys looking at that side of the whole thing because like you said, that that's the side that a lot of people don't get to see. Nope. Definitely true. And that's why I said that's why we call these conversations, man. We we just want to talk about bass fishing and life and like Bruce said, you know, getting to know people and you know, there's even, you know, me being in the business, I don't know everybody. I mean, there's so many, you know, young kids like yourself that are coming up that are springing up left and right and uh, making big, big, you know, jumps into this event. I mean, it, it's not a, it's it's a leap of faith. The whole thing is really, so. Absolutely. Well, Justin. Leap of faith and believing. Yep. Before we go, um, we always like to uh, let everyone thank their sponsors, as always, because if it wasn't for them, they wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, first and foremost, I want to thank Prime One Camo and TH Marine. They were my title sponsors this year. They took a, you know, took a gamble on a rookie, and um, you know, I'm forever in debt to them. Um, you know, TH Marine makes the best products for your boat. Anything you need, they've got it, and. Uh, Prime One Camo, it's a new camouflage company. It's revolutionary. The way Miss Stacy Walker designed it, you know, you should definitely get out there and check it out. It's on, you know, Prime One Camo. Cool. Uh, .com. Um, Ranger Mercury, Power Pole. I run that rig hard every time on the water. I don't care if I'm fun fishing. If I'm fishing the final bed forest with tough, man, I run that thing. I practice like a play, and that's hard. There you go. And, um, that's awesome. You know, that, range, that Ranger's never let me down. And, you know, last but not least, that's Hollenberg Electronics. Abu Garcia reels and rods and Berkeley line. I mean, I hardly ever broke a fish off all year. I don't use anything but Berkeley 100% trialing, you know, and their braid. And it's uh, it's definitely it's been a, it's been a great combination. Um, you know, like I said, just that new Mega Engine from Hummingbird is unbelievable. It uh, it, it's you really you you need to see it to believe it. And uh, you know, a lot of people find it hard to believe, but gosh, it's it's amazing. It was. Is a three hundred thousand dollar difference for me this week running hummingbirds. Awesome. Well, tell everyone where they can tell everybody where they can find you on social media and. Um... Yeah, absolutely. Um, Justin Atkins fishing on Twitter and Instagram, and then I have a fan page, just Justin Atkins. So, like I said, it's a Facebook fan page. I I actually changed my name on my personal page. I was getting a lot of friend requests that I wanted directed back to my regular page and that caused a lot of questioning concern on the internet too is if i was in the witness protection program or if i just want enough money that i could finally change my name and even though that only uh <laughs> only cost like 23 dollars or something like that so i could oh, have wow. already done that anyways but that's awesome it's been a it's been really you know it's been a really awesome experience and i just uh you know i just want to thank everybody that's been a part of it Awesome, brother. Well, uh, we appreciate awesome. you taking the time and talk to us. I know you've spoken to a lot of different people, and I hope we uh, touched on a few different things. And um, we appreciate everything you do for bass fishing, and we look forward to talking to you again in the future. All right. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a good afternoon. Yes, sir.
Thank you, sir. It's that time of the year again, and the dog days of summer are here. No better place to cool off than on the water. Whether it be boating, fishing, or both, Stanton River Outdoors has your needs covered. Stop on by and see our line of Pelican canoes, kayaks, and accessories, or our large selection of fishing gear. We also offer canoe and kayak rentals on the Stanton River. Find us on Facebook, call us at 434-608-2601, or stop by at 508B Pennsylvania Avenue, Alavista, Virginia. Stanton River Outdoors for all your outdoor needs. All right, we're back, guys. I hope that you all enjoyed this show tonight. Man, what a pleasure it was for me and Bruce to talk to Justin Atkins and Brandon Cobb and uh, Josh Roller, oh, yeah. Josh Roller, BassBoatForSale.com, Jason Baggett and uh, Jason Duran with uh, Bonus Loop, Captain Dale Wilson giving us our Smith Mountain Lake Lake Report, and uh, Joe Sills from Fish and Tackle Retailer. Give us some, giving us a look at uh, the um, Bass Pro Shop and uh, what else happening at Bass. So, hope you guys enjoyed. We're sorry it's a little long, but I hope you enjoyed this being a little long because we had some great, great guests. And um, knock on wood, this will probably be our long, last long show. Um, we'll go back to our regular hour, hour and a half shows um, in two weeks. But um, we hope that you guys all enjoyed tonight's show. Well, that depends on the guests now. Yeah, it really does. That's true, too, but we kind of got to keep, you know, and in, in, hopefully everybody is enjoying the show and you can't get too long-winded. But, uh, yeah, like I said, yeah. I, think an, I, think an yeah. hour and a, I think an hour and a half is pretty good, really. I know, but you get the right guests and you could talk for two hours and still not cover anything big. That's true. Got to steer them That's in the some right great way. information. That it, yes. That it, as long as there's plenty of meat and no potatoes, we're good to go. But if there's lots of potatoes, and it ain't gonna work. But yeah, you're right about that, Bruce. Definitely right. Oh yeah. I mean, we're all about making sure that our that uh, our listeners out there get some good information. Hey, sometimes they just get a little longer. Yep, that is definitely true. That is definitely true. But um, like I said before, we hope you enjoyed tonight's show. Um, I'm going to try to maybe get out on the water, but I doubt it's going to happen this coming week because I've got a lot of people to meet and a lot of people to talk to. And, man, we're, we're working on 2018 already. And I have promised you guys and my men, too, that I will have everything done for the Bass Cast Fall Tournament Trail by Friday. And that's going to be a big feat because I'm going to be on the road for a couple of days. So, without any to do, we appreciate you all. Thank you. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, The BassCast, Instagram, The BassCast, BassCast Radio on Facebook, and on Twitter, it's BassCast News. So, thank you all. Thank you, everybody. Do yourself a favor and take your kid fishing. That's right. And as always, don't forget to wear your life jacket. Have a wonderful night, everybody. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to BassCast Radio, the best in local and national bass fishing. For more episodes, go to Spreaker.com slash BassCastRadio or like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BassCastRadio and follow us on Twitter at BassCastNews.
When I need to send cash fast, the Western Union app is my go-to. And now you can send up to $500 for a $5 fee worldwide. All you have to do is download the app, choose the pay in cash option, then come in and pay at a participating Western Union agent location. Download the Western Union app today.